Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the Character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Guess what day it is. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. weekend Good Friday, morning, everyone, and welcome Friday. to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And we'll start with Happy National Donut Day. Just saw the tweet from our friends at Schnooks from the best bakery in town, Schnooks. Oh. So congratulations to everybody and enjoy a donut out there today. This is the best news I could have possibly gotten this morning. Because you know that means there's great donut specials all over town. All over. I'm willing to drive for them, too. Do you have a specific type of donut that's your favorite? Are you a Long John guy? A classic glaze? Okay, this is uh, probably kind of unhealthy, especially for the guy that does the uh, Slim 180 commercials. If you're going to be Play for the tie. To lose weight. Yeah. Play for the tie. Well, see, that you can ultimately do that once you lose your weight with Slim 180. But I really like, at Schnooks, as a matter of fact, the cream-filled chocolate frosted. I am a... a, a cream-filled chocolate yeah. frosted. Yeah, so a, you're getting a, a, whole, a whole bunch of flavor Whoa. profiles in there. Yeah, it's great. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah. That sounds super Delicious. good. How about you? So I, this is random, I love a blueberry cake donut. Whoa. Those are good. That's Have, like Patrick's thing. Oh my gosh. The consistency of the cake, it, the glaze on the outside is not too heavy. It's just enough. Mm-hmm. And I like a little blueberry flavor in there. Blueberry cake donuts are my jam. That's a good call. Since we're making requests here, Matthew, what do you got? <laughs> I'm very basic, but I, I stand by it. the simple chocolate long, John. You can't beat it. It's a simple, it's staple. There's no reason to get fancy with it. Just chocolate <laughs> long, John. Cut and dry. Let's go. Day to celebrate. It's National Donut Day. It's also the day for the Big League Impact Trivia Contest that will be held tonight at Patty O's. You still have an opportunity to sign up, I believe, by going to bigleagueimpact.org. Michelle and BT and I will all be there, and we're looking forward to it. It should be fun, and Cardinal players are going to be participating virtually from Chicago after they play the Cubs again today. After they beat the Cubs today, they right? They better beat the Cubs today. Yeah, after last night, they better. Uh, but yeah, Randy, I'm really looking forward to this. It's going to be a super fun event for a great cause, helping Big League Impact continue their mission of helping people throughout the St. Louis area and throughout the world. They do so many great things. But I'm very interested to see how this is going to work out with you, because aren't people going to be able to get the opportunity to bid on you to be on their team? So there's two things. They have that opportunity for one round. You can buy me for a round. But also, we're going to have how many fights have you put together? Okay, so I, it, it got expanded. I believe now there are... Expanded fight. Yeah. I believe now there are six, six fights. fights. Okay. Six fights. Yeah, yes, there, so, were 20, there were 24 questions put together. So yes, you, so, so yeah, there there are six fights. Burning so, the midnight oil, you know, doing the extra work. Quite good, literally good, on that one. Good job. <laughs> are you aware that on Jeopardy they just record ten on every other Friday? 
That's, that's so smart. I would love to do that. I would love, Randy, if we had one day where we just burned out all of our shows in one day and then you had the rest of the week to do what you want. That'd be great. But can you imagine if you keep winning, like if you're a Ken Jennings or who is the uh, the professional gambler, somebody will text in 65780. Uh, but anyway, those guys won, and a, a recent woman, they, they've won like 25, 30 shows in a row. Can you imagine having to win 10 Jeopardies in a row on a Friday? So you're winning 10? I guess it's Thursday and Friday. Five on Thursday, five, Friday, Friday, five on Saturday. But you have to do 10 half-hour shows over the course of two days. So that's really, really good info to know because I always just kind of assumed you would win and then take a break. And I'm thinking these people are reading. They might be studying a little bit, trying to get that extra knowledge of... of Stuff they think they might be asked and or can use. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me that they're sequestered basically on a set right. and that they're just doing show after show after show. Yeah, pretty tough. Who and, knew? And yeah, it's got to be really grueling, I would think. Yeah. And at the end of five shows mentally. So that's where I'm going to be tonight. That's my point. Yeah. Is that at the end of six fights, I can do one fight. Six fights, I might be done. So I remember when I was a kid before a big test, my mom would make me pancakes brain food nice, you would uh-huh. have to carb up something that would really line your stomach you know mm-hmm. i was thinking for these jeopardy people and for you tonight i hope that you have a good pregame meal because you need brain food when you think and you exert your brain that much you get really hungry slash hangry and i know after these fights you still have mm-hmm. to help me and bt host the event so let's make sure to have some snacks on hand well Is i believe brain food uh, pardon me or donuts brain food that's what i was thinking yeah, okay. no, yeah, doubt. Yeah, no doubt brain food right perfect to dovetail here yeah no doubt yeah, so Donut Day and Trivia Day. Uh, let's see, Joel, James Holzhauser was the perfect... Man, if there are two things uh, in the world I love, the, it's the, donuts I, and trivia. Yeah, that's a good good thing. The Cardinals did lose last night, 7-5. to five. The good <laughs> news from uh, last night's game is that Paul Goldschmidt had another hit. He went 1-5 for five and extends the hitting streak to 24 now. So he's rolling. Not a great night for Matthew Libertor in his second major league start. He only goes three and a third, allows four runs uh, on six hits. He struck out one and walked three. Here is the manager, Ali Marmol, on Libertor. Walton got hurt, so a lot of damage. Fell behind guys, uh, makes the bat a little bit easier on the opposition. So uh, not his best night. Not his best night at all. And how about the two starts? Um, okay. Uh, I mean, kind of what we expected. Young kid up here for the first time and uh, making some adjustments on the fly. So uh, overall, his demeanor and overall pitch abilities there. He's just got some developing to do, which is expected. And Michelle, this is not Randy Johnson. This is not Mark Langston. This is not a guy. He can be a good pitcher at the major league level. But his stuff doesn't look like it translates to number one pitcher stuff. He doesn't have left-handed Jack Flaherty stuff. He's not getting it up there with 95 and a, a slider that'll hit you in the ankle. It's just not what he is. He's He looks like he's a capable major league pitcher physically. But right now, the stuff we see doesn't make me believe that he's number one. Which doesn't mean he's bad. Yeah, But right. I, I, I don't expect, based on what I've seen in only a couple of starts, I don't expect him to be Steve Carlton. Well, he's still young, as Ali mm-hmm. said, and he's making adjustments at the Major League level. It's an entirely different ball game coming up here, and I know that it's hard for us to be patient, um, especially because of the implications that brought Matthew Libertor to St. Louis, but I just think that he's gonna. it's going to take some time for us mm-hmm. to see what he can really develop into, but I was thinking about this yesterday. I wonder what the leash is for him before people start to panic. Oh, they already are. Uh, let's see. They we already are? Yeah, already. We, uh, uh, let's see. 
So from the 636. So how's that trade for Libertor looking now? <laughs> hey, hey, where's Randy A? That's, See, uh, that came okay, in three this is exactly ago. what I was thinking yesterday because <laughs> Randy Rosarena lit the world on fire on the on the biggest stage for the Rays and. It's always going to be connected, those two. That trade is always going to connect those two. And the way that Randy A. did perform is always going to be in the back of Cardinal fans' minds mm-hmm. whenever they watch Matthew Libertor. And I was thinking that normally a young pitcher who had a lot of promise could come up and people might be a little bit rational about it or or think what Ollie just said. He's making adjustments. He's a young guy. It's not going to be immediate that all of his stuff translates and there's still time for him to turn in to what we expected him to be. But when... The person that you were traded for made such noise and has been a really good player. The pressure on you increases. So it kind of doesn't surprise me that that's the response that we're getting. But also, let's take a deep breath. Let's take a deep breath. I could not agree more. Yeah, calm down. Name me one other former Cardinal prospect they traded who's doing well. Well, we did Mm -hmm. used to do a countdown of guys. We did. But my son and I were having this conversation the other day. Would you, if you could do it right now, with all the success that Sandy Alcantara is having, oh. would you trade Sandy Alcantara, Zach Gallen, uh, Magnuria Sierra, the Clayton guy, Andrew Young, um, Luke Weaver, Carson Kelly, Ze- uh, Austin Gomber, Elhurius Montero, uh, Mateo Gill, and the two other young guys, would you t- trade those 12 for Arenado and Goldschmidt? Without even thinking In twice blink, about it. Right? Without even thinking twice about it. I would too. I, I, I wouldn't even let you finish those names before I would have signed the paper. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you there. And that includes the two years that you got from Ozuna, and then he walks out the door. So we're including the Ozuna trade in this 12 for two. I would do that. Yeah, even though... The first name you mentioned, Sandy Alcantara, would make me pause for a second. When you think about Mm -hmm. everything that you've gotten from Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado and what you hopefully are going to get from them in the future, I I would still make that deal. And here's one of the weird things about trades that teams make with the Cardinals. And I'm I'm thinking this is across the board. Maybe not. Maybe people just want to do the Cardinals a favor. My guess is that most teams, when they make trades, they want to get good players back for the people they're trading. That's usually the goal, yeah. So... The fact that Sandy Alcantara has turned out good should not be a surprise to anybody that one or two of the players, the dozen that the Cardinals have traded, are doing well. Shouldn't be a surprise because those teams have scouting departments too. Yes, they do. And they are supposed to be good at their jobs as well. That's something that we forget whether it's when it comes to a trade or when it comes to a game. I mean, the Colorado Avalanche are good and they Mm -hmm. were throwing everything that they had at the St. Louis Blues. Sometimes we get so caught in our little silo and we only look at it from our perspective and we don't really think about it from that that viewpoint. And we have a, a great resource and we're going to get Kevin Eibach from the Tampa Bay Rays on again soon but we talked to him during the postseason that Randy A was going off and he told us that the Rays had had an eye on Randy A from the time he left Cuba. They, they yeah. were interested in him. For was, years they wanted him. Right. They didn't just see him in the Cardinal system and say, oh, this guy looks pretty good. They've wanted him for a long time, and that's why they were willing to give up a guy that had the pedigree of Matthew Libertor to get him, because they've liked him for a long time. And the Cardinals are usually pretty good at scouting and developing pitching. Yeah, they are. So yeah. even though Matthew Libertor hasn't looked like Chris Carpenter just yet, I, I give it some time. Let's all relax. <sighs> Deep yeah. breaths, everybody. Yep. It's a National Donut Day, yeah. alright? Just let's calm down. Cubs beat the Cards yesterday 7-5. to five. By the way, Michelle, I, I gotta throw this in there. You remember Matthew Bowman. 
You remember Seth Manus. You remember Kevin Segrist. Sure, of course. Uh, Nidub is headed that direction. I'm sorry, who? Nick Wickren, last night, 46 pitches. He's on pace <laughs> for like more than 70 games. He, uh, Nidub, is going to be Ali Marmol's version of Seth Manus. Witty. I'm going to make it worse, Michelle. More like Bidub. <laughs> Bidub. It's. I mean, it's unfortunate that this seems to be a thing not consi- consistent across multiple Cardinal managers that they're just going to throw guys into the absolute ground. Yeah, I think that's where we're headed here. These poor guys. Michaelis against Stroman today. It's a 120 start at Wrigley Field. Other action in sports last night. The Avalanche over the Oilers, 4-0 in Game 2 of their series. Pavel Francouz in for an injured Darcy Kemper with a shutout for the Avs. Ooh. Nazem Kadri, three assists for Colorado. Ugh, he's so good. So annoying. Yeah, he really is. He's had four, a great season. Yeah, four different goal scorers for Colorado. They lead the series two games to none. And Jason Tatum played last night. Jason Tatum is one of the best players in the NBA. Tatum drives down and throws it down. Wow! And he reps his city. Who do you got in the Super Bowl tonight? Oh, the St. Louis Rams. Oh, he can't let it go. The St. Louis Rams. It's time for the Jason Tatum Minute on Carriker and Smallman. Tatum, take advantage of this matchup. Makes it an out move, picks it to Tice for three. And he laces the three ball. Tatum with a mismatch, no help, no double. He's got to be aggressive. He's got to look to be aggressive in these situations. Tatum. Wide open Horford for three. And they caught the rotation. Wild comeback here for the Celtics. Here's Tatum. Working against Wiggins. Got to Smart in rhythm for three. Splash! Brown inside. Horford with the offensive rebound. Wide open Smart. Cash! And the Celtics have stormed ahead. Jason Tatum with only 12 points, 3 of 17 from the floor, 1 of 5 from three-point land, but five rebounds and Michelle, 13 assists for Jason Tatum and no Mike Breen, no Jeff Van Gundy, and the Celtics are able to come back, outscoring the Warriors 40-16 to in the fourth quarter. They take game one of the finals, 120-108 to over Golden State. What an interesting game this was. In the first quarter, you're thinking, oh, Steph is so hot. Mm-hmm. The Warriors are going to absolutely smoke them. It was kind of a, a seesaw back and forth this entire game. The Celtics have had uh, problems. The third quarter has been problematic for them. This game was no different. Outscored 38-24 to in the third. They committed five turnovers and still came back and won this game. What a resilient group. And I know Golden State is saying we're fine, but when they come into your house, first finals game in that building, that place is absolutely rocking and they do what they did to you. It's, it's a it's a good wound to, to strike first like that. And Jason Tatum's one of those guys where if it's not working for him shooting, he can come up with 13 assists for you. He's yeah. just a terrific all-around player and great defender as well. And so congratulations to Jason and the Celts, 120-108 to over Golden State. That's Michelle, I'm Randy, and we've got Peak and Pitt coming up next. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service, text line 65780, and join us on Character and Smallman. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Up into the peaks or into the pit? Peaks and pits. Join in on the conversation with Character and Smallman now. Text 65780. This is 101 ESPN. Time for Peak or Pit here on 101 ESPN. 
And Michelle, my peak is back-to-back four-day work weeks. I'm off. Uh, you, you guys are working with Alexa Dat on Monday. Yeah, I didn't even know you were off. I got an email saying that Alexa was oh. filling in. I was like, great, but for who and well, when? You'll be proud of me. I'm playing in the Mizzou Tiger Club Golf Tournament. Awesome. Supporting uh, MIZ. Yeah, she, awesome. Awesome, Randy. <laughs> on just Monday. The, just the best right no, now. You know I, that I, I love, love that. Coach Drank. Will he be yeah. in attendance? I don't at, know if he will. Well, either way, I'm a big fan of his. So. Yeah, he's great. So that's my peak is uh, is the back to back work weeks, uh, but the the pit is going to be that uh, I haven't had an opportunity to get out and play golf. I've been th- this week. It's been terrible. I have really? not been out to play golf once this week with all this great weather. It was beautiful yesterday. It's going to be beautiful today. Can you sneak in? Uh, at least a trip to the driving range before our event tonight. Oh yeah, I'm going to do that. That's that's a given. Today I'm going to get out and Good. either do something, whether it's hit the driving range or play nine. Okay, then including today and then the day off on Monday. I mean, Randy, it's going to be high of 82, low of 57 on both Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. I look at that and I and I think. And instinctually, that is perfect golf weather, and also I, I still think that's perfect patio weather. Yeah, the plan I mean, that is yeah. picture perfect. It's going to be like seventy six and, and breezy at like noon. That's perfect. Plan is to get out and play tomorrow, and then Sunday we've got the race. Yes, so we do. It'll Big be perfect event. weather for the race too. So I'm going oh there. yeah, man. you're going to the what. race. Yeah, you're going to have a great time. It's going to be fun. The campgrounds must be. I mean, that's perfect oh. campground weather if you're at a NASCAR race too. Come to think about, it. I'm saying patio weather. That's even better weather for the <laughs> campground. Yeah, right. Oh, my turn? Yeah. My pick is that Jason Tatum is in the NBA Finals and that they took game one. I like watching the NBA. I enjoy it. It's an entertaining product, but I don't really have a rooting interest. It's so much more fun to watch sports when you have a pure rooting interest. Mm -hmm. And even though it feels very dirty to cheer for a Boston team, (laughs) it's so fun to watch him have success. And the fact that they're up one nothing, and I get to watch the NBA Finals and cheer for a St. Louis guy who represents us so well is definitely a peak for me. It's probably going to be a peak next week, too. I would hope so. And by the way, if Jason Tatum had his way and could play pro basketball in St. Louis... He would do everything he could to play pro basketball in St. Louis. He just, he loves St. Louis. He does. And so let's help Jason Tatum out, everyone. Let's get an NBA team to St. Louis. Yeah, let's do it. Easy peasy. Let's just make it happen. I think we can find somebody that would be interested in owning a team. I'm sure. And the NBA, all we have to do is roll out the stats. Look at how many people support the Blues. Look at how many Mm -hmm. people support the Cardinals. Uh, A big race coming to town? Sold out. Gymnastic trials coming to town? Sold out. Did you see the crowds at the PGA Championship? This is what we do. We literally have nothing else to do other than to support our sports teams. The question would be, though, if the team would play in the city and they wanted, for example, a tax abatement, how would they go about that? Mm. I think you can get them. At least his recent history might tell us. <laughs> I don't know about taxes, Randy. I don't know if, if we want to go there. And, hello, all we have to do is show them uh, the MLS number so right. far. How many Good people point. even put down a uh, request for ticket deposits? Like before. 10 times more than we have seats, right? Yes, it's a lot. Incredible. So a lot of those people are going to need something else to do. Yeah. The NBA would be a great solution. I like it. And my pit is that, what's going on with the Battle Hawks? All of this, all of this excitement, and then it's like start, stop, start, stop, false, false start. Just come on, Rock. What are we doing here? That was the saddest cacao of all time. (laughs) It sounded like uh, whatever bird that would give the cacao has fallen and broken a wing and can't fly away. Yeah, the vultures are flying overhead. This thing. I don't know.
It's weird. It's it's a, it's a weird league right now. We're all ready to scream caca and get yeah. excited. Yep, but all we can do is caca. No, we should do it with a question. Caca. Yeah, that's better. <laughs> to, you know what? I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to mess with and see if I can combine the caca with like the sad trombone sound. And just, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matthew. What do we got on the text line? Two six zero. The peak is it's a boating weekend. The pit four eighty nine a gallon for gas. Oh, gas is expensive. I was reading an article yesterday that gas is going to go up even more. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how is that possible? How are people going to be able to afford that? How are people affording it now? How are people going to be able to afford this if gas goes? It, it's it's almost the same amount as minimum wage. This is insane. It's unbelievable. And it really is, when you think about it, the foundation of the economy. Because food is delivered by vehicles that are yeah. run on gas. Homes are built with wood and steel and construction materials that, are, that run on gas. People that build things have to get there with trucks that run on gas it's the the gasoline and the price of gasoline is the foundation of our economy and i don't know how you solve the problem it's a bummer it's very alarming yeah i'm i'm the one now that when the gas light comes on i'm like how many more miles can mm-hmm. i make it before yeah. i have yep. to do this and this is a global issue gas prices are high all over the world by the way it's not something that's indigenous to us because one of the biggest suppliers of fuels is Russia and nobody's dealing with Russia anymore because of the Ukraine thing. Thanks a lot, Russia. Yeah, right. You're the worst. Putin. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, 314 Pit, I have to work tomorrow. Peak, I get to see my favorite 101 show tonight at the Big League Impact Trivia. P.S. Randy, I'm taking you down in trivia tonight. Oh, oh. I like to hear it. By the way, 314, we do need a fighter today. I'm just saying, if you, I don't know why you got to wait till tonight if you're going to get all cocky oh, with it. doctor. First of all, I'm so excited saying. to meet some of our BLIS in person tonight. Second of all, if you're going to come at Randy on the text line saying you're going to beat him, attach your name to it, okay? Just, I'm... I, I, I respect the confidence. Trust me, I do. But if you are coming and saying, I'm going to see you tonight, I'm going to beat you at trivia, sign your name. Mm-hmm. But whoever you are, I just want to give you props then when you are able to beat Randy that he and or she called their shot on in the morning. And I, I'm always very respectful of the people that say, you know what? I'm so confident. I don't want any lifelines. <laughs> and that's happened. That's happened a lot, has it? Yeah. Uh, zero times. <laughs> oh, okay. Fair enough. 618 Peak. It's the Illinois 300 this weekend. Pitt, enjoy Matthew. Illinois. Ooh. Yeah, enjoy Illinois. Enjoy Illinois. Exactly. Let's go. Enjoy it. Pitt Matthew Libertor is not living up to my expectations. Well, it's two starts. It's two starts, people. Two starts. Yeah. It's the first week of the se- his career. So when John Tudor came here, he happens to have the highest winning percentage of any lefty in Cardinal history. But when he came here, he started off one in seven. One win and, and seven losses, and people were down on him. And he actually turned it around to win twenty-one and eight that year. Really, I, I think it's kind of unfair to judge a pitcher's career on his first two starts. What? Let's just—I'll uh, have some fun while you do the next one, okay? Shouldn't judge people for two starts. You're crazy, Randy. <laughs> B. Goldie is still hitting. Pitt. Every time Cody Whitley comes in, I know we will be in a bigger deficit than we started. Mm. Mm. Yeah, kind of feels that way. I like him, though. Nice fella. Super nice guy. Yeah. Why do we do that whenever there's a guy playing terribly? <laughs> why do we Why do we always couch it with you? Yeah, super nice guy. 636. Congratulations to Matt Carpenter, by the way. Three home runs. You know what? Good for him. And it's three starts for Libertor. Oh, three. Okay. Three, sorry, right. 
Okay, so you know, good for Matt well, and good for really Matthew bad. Carpenter for getting out of the first deck of that lower porch. I was proud of him for that one. Peak, I found out I'm going to be a grandpa. All right. Pitt, I'm old enough to be a grandpa. That's all right. That's not so bad. That means you've lived a great life and that you're going... You had a nice run. You're go- oh, No. <laughs> you're going to impart a lot of wisdom on this young grandchild. Just think you could be a super young grandpa and that would be worse. Totally. <laughs> also, being a grandpa... I was thinking about this the other day. You know what... I, is actually my calling in life. They always say, find your purpose and you'll live a great mm-hmm. life. You know what I was thinking the other day? You know what my purpose is? I should have been born in Italy and I should have been one of those old men that sits outside a coffee shop and wears, <laughs> you know, like a newsboy hat and BSs with their friends. Like, that's my calling in life is to sit outside, drink a beautiful cup of coffee and just BS with my friends while wearing a nice hat. I, I love that idea. I that think, is my purpose. That's a, that's a good calling. I was Michelle. born in the wrong country. I was I was born in the wrong era. I don't know how I can make this happen, but at some point in my life, all I want to do is sit outside a coffee shop, drink an espresso, <laughs> and talk about my daughter-in-law. Like, talk yeah. BS about my daughter-in-law to yeah. my friends. How'd you get that gig? I just I don't it. know. Just I just lived it. it. But I think about that all the time. What did you guys do to allow you to just sit out here? Sometimes they're playing cards, wearing a nice, flowy, button-down shirt. It sounds. It looks ideal. I, I want to know, what's your retirement plan look like that you can just do this all day? Michelle, I'm a little disappointed. That was both Sopranos and the Hill Erasure. You don't need to go to Italy. They did that in the Sopranos all the time. Just so sat just on the corner. In the mafia. And, so you just got to either get in the mafia or there's like 30 different like nice little patios down on the hill. Just, you know, yeah, find some espresso that. and, you know, post up one morning. Just, you know, I got to pay my bills is the only problem. Yeah, yeah, I do think, though, in another life, I would have been a great conciliary. Oh, you'd be a great wartime conciliary. Okay, uh, I've got one for you. OBS. Okay, so pitcher A is Matthew Libertor. Pitcher B started his career with an 11-2 loss at Houston. Uh, Three and two-thirds innings, he allowed six runs on ten hits. Second game, Pittsburgh, he did go seven and a third, but allowed four runs on seven hits. And then in his third game, he allowed three runs. Got a little bit better, but only went four innings. That's pitcher B. Matthew Libertor is pitcher A. Pitcher B is another left-hander, Tom Glavin. Oh. <laughs> Who, what, 15 years later wound up in the Hall of Fame? 20 years later. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. I think I'm going to jump to a conclusion on this one. He's going to be Tom Glavin. No, he's gonna be, uh, oh, oh, I was going to go the other way. No. We don't need a Janko. We got Michelle Small. We don't need another conciliar on this show. Peak, I started a new position on the executive leadership team. Pitt, in my first week, I had to fire a senior director. Oh, wow. That's wow. impressive. Senior director? That's, a, that's the executive leadership team. When you have to fire a senior director, that's yeah, power. I, I mean, that is. We're not messing around. Talk no, about uh, jumping in with two feet. Whew. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> Although sleep with one eye open, <laughs> depending on what your gig is. I don't know. Are we going back to the mafia or what? We just did, yeah. I'm working with two people whose ancestry is very Italian. If you have a horse named Cartoon, watch out. Yep. Uh, thank you, Matthew. And thanks you for ready? your texts to the Air Comfort Service text line. Coming up, going to talk some golf with Jay Delsing. If you have something going on with your game, if you're actually playing, uh, ask a question about your game, 65780. Jay will answer your golf questions next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
Let's go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and our friend Jay Delsing. Jay, golf with Jay Delsing, Sunday morning at 9 here on 101 ESPN is standing by. Hi, Jay. How you doing? Great. Randy, Michelle, good morning. How are you guys doing? Doing great. I want your take on Dustin Johnson joining the LIV. All I can say is $125 million. That's what I'm reading. <laughs> I, I can't believe it's that much money, but, I mean, these guys are just trying to buy players. I, I'm sh- I'm still shocked he went. I mean, I know that is so much ridiculous, bloody money, but I, I, I'm, I'm shocked. Um, and, and what did you think of the, the, the opening field? I mean, it's far from impressive as far as I was concerned. I thought it was interesting. I love the line from, uh, from Rory McIlroy. Yeah, not really something to jump up, up and down over. After DJ, there's really not much there, is there? No, there's not. And, and um, one of the things, Rory always is such a good interview, and I, I thought what he said was pretty poignant. You know, some of the guys, when you get to certain stages and, and ages in your career, you don't necessarily have any guaranteed tour to play on because your status starts sliding, your game is not that good. And so when you think of Poulter and Garcia and Westwood, Martin Keimer, I mean, no one's even heard of Martin Keimer in the last three or four years. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it's it's kind of the guys that are just fighting to kind of stay in the game and fight to, to be relevant as well. Well, Jay, we have a lot of questions coming in for you. It's warm outside. People are playing golf, so they want to tap into your expertise. Here's the first one from the 949. Hey, Jay, I love golf. I wish I could play more, but I suffer from golfer's elbow each time I play. Do you think a swing lesson would help make some changes to prevent some pain? Yeah, it could be. I mean, I'd also, there's, um, um, I'm assuming it's on his lead elbow, and I think we've all probably had that feeling before. There's also a compression sleeve that you can put on Michelle that um, it doesn't look great, I'll be honest, when you're playing out there because, um, well, it just doesn't. But um, it, it'll definitely help relieve some of the, it's, I think it's almost like a tendonitis thing in your elbow. So there's a compression sleeve you can, you can put on there and you can adjust how tight you wear it. And um, I, I've had it before and it, and it definitely helps. Jay, are there any, and we've talked about this a little bit in the past, are, are there any golf um, helpers that you use? There's that sleeve that's out there. There's a mirror that's out there. Is there, is there something that you use typically, even if it's just the, the rod to align yourself? What is the, the main topic or the main thing that you use, the, the main teaching item that you use? Yeah, Randy, the aiming rods are great. I mean, if you don't even want to go out and buy those aiming rods, and I think they're only 4 or $5 a piece, you can always just set another club down to help you with your alignment. To get your, You want to get your feet, knees, hips, and shoulders stacked on top of each other. And, and remember, when we played, bud, we were talking about that a little bit with you, and once we got you a little more stacked, man, you piped a couple of drives over 250 yards. It was uh, – it was impressive. The other thing that I use all the time, you guys, and if you want help with your putting, look into the putting arc, A-R-C. It's very inexpensive. I think you can get it right on Amazon, um, and it helps people. I help people with their putting all the time. In fact, I just bought one for a friend of mine. Um, it, it's it's really a great device. Uh, so the putting arc for your for your um, your putting helps uh, can help you uh, immensely. Jay, uh, Big League Impact and Adam Wainwright have an event coming up at Top Golf where people are they're going to attempt to outdrive Adam Wainwright. I don't know if that's going to be possible, but the 636 wants to know, Jay, how do I outdrive Adam Wainwright just once at the charity event? Please help. 
Oh my gosh, I have seen Wayno. He crushes it. Plus, he's also <laughs> six foot seven. So right. maybe you could. You're, you're going to need speed for our, our listener and caller. He's, he's going to need speed somehow or another. And um, maybe try tequila because I don't think anything else is really going to work right away. But um, uh, Wayno is uh, besides being a world class athlete, he loves the game and he can just crush it. So. Um, Happy Gilmore, maybe you don't get a running start. The problem you got to be, you know, got to be be cognizant. You might be on the third deck up over there at Top Golf, and that's a long way down. So um, I, I, I think it's a losing effort. I think, uh, I think just work on a concession speech. I think Wayno's going to get you. Good idea, Jay. This one from the eight seven zero. I bought uh, wedges a couple of years ago, but this year my fifty six degree feels a little bit dead. How often should I replace my wedges? Oh gosh, there's no way that the um, what what might have happened. Um, he shouldn't have to replace that wedge. Um, what might have happened is something may have happened to the shaft um, in the uh, trunk. There might be a kink in the shaft or something, so the shaft might not be flexing properly and working for you. So I would check the shaft or, or take it back to where you bought it. But there's no way you should have to buy another wedge. When I was playing on the tour, and we were playing all the time, and it, it was like you know walking into the coolest sporting goods store ever you know every week on tour they had all this equipment for you i would change my wedges out every quarter i would get three new wedges every Hmm. uh every three months because i wanted to keep the um the grooves nice and sharp and 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 get as much spin on the ball as i could the 618 says hey jay i'm left-handed whenever i strike the ball with my irons i always tend to push the ball to the left and when i hit it straight it tends to fade left any tips um, again, I, I think I would go ahead and get yourself on, uh, get your alignment worked out. Cause typically speaking, when people are, are, are fading or slicing the ball, their bodies are too far open to the line. And, um, what you want to do is try to move yourself back to center and get the sense of feeling that when you come down through the ball, that you're letting the, the head of that club release or, 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 or swing through and not kind of get held off. Because if you think about it from a sheer physics standpoint, the ball is getting that sort of spin put on it because your club face is open a little bit and coming across the ball. And so what we want to try to do, in a, in a baseball terminology, we want you swinging and hitting and trying to rip some, some shots to straightaway center field. Because right now, if you're a left-handed golfer, you're hitting them all in the left field because you're getting little glancing blows off of, the, off of the bat, off the club. And so the ball's got that... Um, that spin on it. So try to try to think of a, a, a baseball analogy and, and let the club hit, uh, head and face go as much as you can and swing that thing to try to get the ball to go right back over the pitcher's head. Jay, a couple more quick things. Number one, Hideki Matsuyama was disqualified from the memorial because he had powder on his driver, and many teachers use powder or a piece of tape to help you center the ball on the driver. Why would they disqualify Matsuyama for that does is that a distinct advantage no it's well I mean it, it, what what winds up happening is you you go out and you're on the track man and you're doing all of these technical things and there's these little aids that they put either on they'll put little uh guiding dots on the face of your irons so that so that um it'll help the um, machines pick up the balls and the speed and the spin as much as possible and the same with the driver and you're just not allowed to make um, any sort of adjustments to your equipment like that. Um, I, it's, it's actually kind of a dumb rule. It's also kind of a, 
I don't know if you remember, Randy, a few years ago when one of the guys came out and had their, their son or daughter's junior club in their golf bag and they got, you know, two-shot penalty for for the first two holes because he had 15 clubs in his bag. And one of them was a like a a club he couldn't have possibly hit the ball with, but it was a penalty. It's kind of not, not, not really um, common sense, I didn't think. No, absolutely. And then you have the show coming up on Sunday. Who do we have on the show? I got Lieutenant Colonel Dan Rooney from Folds of Honor. He's him. really a great guy. Yeah, gosh, they do they do a great job for our men and women um, uh, from the military and education. And they, we just had Patriot Golf Day, and there's American Dunes up in Michigan that um, Jack Nicholas donated his fee for. And us, uh, it's, it's there's a lot of cool stuff to talk about with with uh, with Noonan. And people can do two things. Number one, they well, they should do both. They can go to Schnooks and round up at the register for Folds of Honor, and then their golf tournament is coming up. And they've got three courses this year, Jay. They've got both courses at Whitmore and the Bluffs for the Folds of Honor golf tournament. Isn't that awesome? Oh my gosh, those uh, those men and women that that have sacrificed so much. So heck, I mean, so you guys, we get to talk on the radio because some other people may have given their lives for our country and given us a choice to do what we want to do. Man, I my hats off to them. I really appreciate that. Yeah, me too. And we're looking forward to the show on Sunday. Always good to hear your voice, Jay. Thanks so much. And have a great weekend. You guys too. Take care, guys. Thank you. That is our friend Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. And Michelle, you've been over to his wine bar. Yes, Wild it's Crush. It's amazing. They you I love the the way it's set up. You get a card and you just load some money on it and then they have all of these different wines and it's this electronic machine and you get a glass and you go and you select the wine you want, you select the glass that you want, swipe your card and then it pour it's self-pouring. It pours it itself and you can try a bunch of different wines. It's great. Great spot. It's kind of like going to the uh, the soda machine at Qdoba. Where you just press the button for whatever soda you want, and it just gives it to you. No, because <laughs> no. you're paying. You're paying for this. Oh, you pay for that too. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, but yeah, you should, Wild Crush is the name of yes, Jay's wine bar. It's a beautiful, beautiful spot, and they've got a great back area too. Now that the weather's nice, you definitely need to go check it out. Check it out. Next up, take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Character, Matthew Rocchio, and your text, 65780. Michelle, Take It or Leave It, Matthew Libertor wins a major league game. Take it, of course. Thank you. Okay, good. Just wanted to make sure. Why? do you? Are you oh, going I to leave there's it? A, there's a, there are people out there that don't believe. I think now they've seen enough, and they don't believe that Matthew Libertor is going to win a major league game. I think he is. I think he's going to win a major league game. He's already won one, by the way. So, so yeah. but I'm, I'm saying another one. Yeah, that's what I was assuming, yeah. is that you meant yeah. another one. Yeah. How, I'm, I think Matthew Libertor will have a big postseason moment at some point. I would think so, yeah. I'm with you. He's a big fella. 
Doesn't throw exceptionally hard, but he's got good stuff. There's a, These people that do prospect lists now, they're pretty good, and there's a reason that he was a top 100 prospect. Plus, if we can't ever use, like, liberator puns, I'm just going to be really angry. It's true. We need to have those. Yeah, come on. You guys, yeah, I had a link that I was going to do my story on, and now it is... It's saying I need a subscription, and it won't, so I just need this to find the tweet good. really quickly. Well, just yeah, give me we, one second here. I, I think uh, for a second. the uh, the listeners are trying to get another fight started on the on the, on the the Take It or Leave It text line today, so I'm going to leave this one off, but I'm going to jump in right now. Oh, go ahead. Take okay. It or Leave It. I, oh, found, sorry, it. I found it, by the way. I found it. Okay, so the New York Times has an article out, and they've done a story that has um, really, really positive information, not only for me, but I think for a lot of listeners. So... A study out there says that people who drink moderate amounts of coffee, 1.5 to 3.5 cups per day, were up to 30% less likely to die during a multiple year study period than those people who didn't drink coffee. They don't die? If you drink- 30% less likely to die if you drink a moderate amount of coffee. Ever? 30%. Now, they said the, so the, if you're drinking the sugary drinks, that kind of throws uh, all this out the window because sugar is obviously so bad for you. But take it or leave it. You two need to get on this train and start drinking coffee. 30% less likely to die. It seems like everybody dies. Yeah, Michelle, I'm but here. you're 30% less likely to die. Michelle, I'm, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. Uh, so, I, Michelle, I'll take it. We got to get on the coffee train. You need to. Yeah. I can okay. get a little cold brew. 170,000 people mm-hmm. were observed in this study, ages 37 to 73. So a wide variety yeah. of human beings. They, yeah, and then this doctor from Harvard, hello. He knows what's going on. It's a female, Christina Weave. She knows what's going she on. She knows what's up. She said, this is huge. There are very few things that reduce your mortality by 30%. Huge. I like this a lot. Okay, so I'm I'm in with the coffee and then steak every night. Well, I don't know about steak. Well, if the coffee's going to prevent me from dying, it doesn't matter what I eat, right? So you're just totally playing for the time. <laughs> I'm just going for it. If she tells me I'm not going to, I have a thirty percent less chance of dying. Thirty percent chance? Yeah, I so mean that's crazy co- good. Coffee and National Donut Day. Coffee and donuts every morning, and then steak at night. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm taking it. I like this. Don't you think you'd get sick of steak, though, having the same thing every night? I'd probably get sick of coffee, too. No, you never would, ever. <laughs> it's the I believe, best. I believe the headline number is ringing up right now, and it's Randy's cardiologist. Yeah, that might be. <laughs> Gordon Rinder, great guy. By the way. Hi, Dr. Rinder. I know you're listening. Sh- shout out to him. But also, be careful with your creamers and all of the sugar mm-hmm. that you could be putting into your coffee, because that could negate all of this. What, what's the chocolate that they put into coffee? Do they put chocolate into coffee? Mocha? Ever? Oh, is that is that cho- okay? Is that chocolate coffee? What about natural sugars? Can I go like can I like put like a boatload of like like a like a honey in my in my, in my coffee a little bit? Maybe sweeten it up a little bit. I don't know why you'd want that. But... I, I want I want a sweetener in there. I'm, so a, get I'm this. a baby when it comes to coffee. They say in this article, a caramel macchiato, very mm-hmm. popular drink at Starbucks, mm-hmm. a tall. Oh no, a tall. Three hundred grams, which is the smallest size. Mm-hmm. Twenty-five grams of sugar, five times as much sugar. In, an, in a normal sweetened cup of coffee. You know what, so be careful out there is all I'm saying. A gram is virtually nothing. 25, though. Tw- and that's in a tall. Uh, is that no, a- if you're getting coffee, no one's getting a tall. We're going grande or we're going yeah, venti. Thank you. Are you drinking be- straight black, Michelle? If you go to th- a coffee place and you're not getting an espresso and you get a tall, what are we even doing here? I just, come on. I'm are you drinking straight I'm black? Looking. No. Oh, God, I was no, going to no, say. No, no. I use vanilla collagen powder. 
Okay, how many grams in a teaspoon of sugar is the question Randy is asking the Google? There, oh, the, wow, there are f- only four grams of sugar in a teaspoon. Wow, I thought it was a lot less. I thought one gram was less. Wow, 25 is a lot. 25 is a five teaspoons. Lot. That's not at all. <laughs> that's, that's a lot. Okay. I'm, that's the reason probably that I only buy bottled water at Starbucks. Well, that and I don't like coffee. All right, what do we got on the get text on the, line? Get on the train. <laughs> Day 618, take it or leave it. Celtics and six, Tatum MVP. Uh, I'll take it. I'll take it too. Celt- Win it back home in Boston? Yes, yeah, Celtics and six. Tatum will be the MVP. I love it. Uh, I'm just going to kind of combine some text we're getting here. Take it or leave it. Honey and coffee is the way to go. It's a game changer. I don't know. I've never done it. Neither. So, I mean, I'm certainly open to trying it. I, see, I was just thinking natural sweeteners. Yeah, I, don't know. I mean, I've I, never I, could, thought of it. I could put honey in. Just about anything. I put honey in my tea and very much enjoy it, Fantastic. but I just never thought coffee. I like honey on some biscuits. Oh, I yeah. I mean, people put... Have you ever had... Okay, there's this place in Chicago. I think it's called Q. Barbecue joint. They have these biscuits with honey butter. And it is... I could eat that honey butter on anything. It is so good. So good. Michelle, if they sold it at stores, who, I'd buy it all the time. You know who has that, that, and it's really good, is Texas Roadhouse. Former advertiser here on 101 I've ESPN. never been to Texas oh, Roadhouse. As, as the kids call it, the road crib. Uh, but yeah, they have the, honey butter They there? have honey butter and it's delicious. Sign me up. I got to get there. Yep. Honey, honey, honey butter actually surprisingly easy to make. Re- Making compound butter is actually really easy. Really? It makes everything so much better. Oh my gosh. It makes everything so Show much better. Show some honey and some butter, whip it up. And while we're, yeah, whipping it up. Whip uh, it. While we're talking food here, 636, take it or leave it. Unlike the Rocky Road debate of yesterday, there is no debating the original glaze is the goat of donuts. I will debate you on that. I'm going to leave You know that. what, though? I'll take it. Because have you ever had a warm classic glaze Krispy Kreme right out Those of the oven? Those are really good. I mean, that is just delightful. Did I ever tell you, Ron's always enjoyed the story that when one time when I was working, uh, I would fill in on mornings at Camel X. Had to be there at like five in the morning. And I would always pick up donuts for them. And the closest Krispy Kreme was the one on Bowles Avenue over off of 44. And so I went in and I picked up with the light on, Michelle, I picked up two dozen donuts from Bowles Avenue to the Gateway Tower in downtown St. Louis. (laughs) I put away 18. No! I sh- I showed up with 18? a half a dozen. I showed up with a half a dozen donuts. Eighteen, <laughs> Randy. They were delicious. You mowed through them. I, I I know we haven't talked about it in a while. Eighteen of them. But I would I would like to drop out of that Taco Bell challenge we talked about a few weeks ago because yeah. it's not going to go well for me. Well, they were warm, and you know they just. That's not. That's not. That's, it's, it's like they melt in your mouth. Eighteen. I couldn't stop. <laughs> I'm surprised you could even drive while shoveling those in your mouth. I wasn't even shoveling them. I mean, it, was, it felt like I was just easing them in. Here we got one from the 314. <laughs> Take it or leave it. The best thing to put in your coffee is Bailey's. <laughs> Some people would agree with that. You know what? I'm not going to disagree, but <laughs> I drink my coffee in the morning and have to go to work, so I can't have a Bailey's. But a little after dinner coffee, you know what's amazing? I was at a, a restaurant last night with Maggie Toslovsky, oh, our amazing friend great. who works in sales here at 101 ESPN, well at Hubbard Radio. Yep. And we were looking at the dessert menu. You know what just always delivers is a nice affogato. A little espresso mm-hmm. over some ice cream. Whew. I should have done it. I, I had to was go home and watch a Cardinals game. I had to watch the Celtics. I had a lot going on last yeah. night. 
it was National Rocky Road Day. It was Rocky Road Yeah, but Road why would I punish myself? I'm trying to enjoy something. So, so, so By the way, before our conversation yesterday, if you would pull 20 random people, I bet they don't even know the ingredients of Rocky Road. That tells you how low it is in the power rankings because people were like there's nuts in rocky road they don't know so see of they course are i don't attention. know because no one likes it it just has a fun name they sure sell a lot of it and it's got a national day you could get anything in that we could get national character in smallman day well, something has some that. people just haven't been around randy been around you know thank you matthew thank you thanks for your text we do appreciate it coming up how important is this series for the cardinals four left with the cubs do they need to take care of business here that's next on 101 espn we're right back to the character and smallman podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn a fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories it's character and smallman's fresh take Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. Scrappy. (laughs) That'd be the word I would use. Slightly better than the record would indicate. Also slightly better on offense than I thought they'd be. For example, just during day games, which they play a lot of, they have the best OPS in baseball. So that's a, that's a nice stat. They play a lot of day games around here. They play, what, two in this series. It's one of those things that you can beat up on the Cubs, but if you overlook them, they'll, they'll, they'll come up and bite you. That's ESPN's Jesse Rogers yesterday here on Carriker and Smallman. And lo and behold, he said their offense was a little bit better than you might give a credit for. They... Get a couple of home runs last night. They beat the Cardinals 7-5. to And a day game today, 1-20. And, Michelle, if the Cardinals are going to be in this division hunt, and by the way, Milwaukee's in the same boat, you can't allow the Pirates or the Reds or the Cubs to beat you more than you beat them during the season. Those are teams that actually... If the Cardinals or Brewers are going to win the division, one of them is going to have to dominate those three. I think the Cards and Brewers will probably play even with each other. Somebody's going to have to really handle the Cubs, and Milwaukee's capable of it. The Cardinals are capable of it, but like Jesse said, they aren't a walkover. Chicago is a team that's going to compete with you every day. Especially in a rivalry. You never know what's going to happen in a rivalry. Even if the Cardinals are on paper much better than the Cubs, things always happen in these type of series. But so far, Randy, the Cardinals have done just that. They took two out of three to open the season versus Pittsburgh. They took two out of three in their first meeting at Cincinnati. Now, I think we all are looking at that Baltimore series. You can't let yep. Baltimore take two out of three from you in May. But then they sweep the Pirates, and this is their first opportunity to see the Cubs. Five games. They didn't get it done yesterday, but I think we'll see a better showing out of the Cardinals as the series goes on. I'm interested to see what happens Saturday with the starting pitching for the Cardinals mm-hmm. and the doubleheader. But you you need to continue to take advantage of these teams. I'm with you about tomorrow. And I wonder if they would have it in them, because they've made a lot of 40-man roster moves already, to bring up a guy like Zach Thompson. And I, I must admit, I don't know where he fits with the rotation in Memphis right now. But you've got Rondon. You could bring back Packy Naughton. The question is, do you want to take the chance on two potential bullpen games in one day? Now, you only have to uh, do it for the one day. Then you have Wayno going on Sunday night and you hope that he can handle innings. But you would have to get innings today from Michaelis and then count on innings from Adam on Sunday night. But I think if you are going to count on innings from any pitchers, you can count on those two guys to go deep for you. Absolutely. Right. So the, the question would be, 
do they have a move to make, Corey Dickerson maybe, where they would bring a Zach Thompson up off of the Memphis roster, or are they just going to go with guys that are already on the 40-man? And Rondone pitched really well, gave him five key mm-hmm. innings last week. Packy has been okay as a starter. He's given them three. My concern isn't those, those starters. My concern is the number of innings that the bullpen would have to deliver. I was going to say, it's the guys who are coming after them that yeah. you're concerned about. Those guys getting stretched too thin. Yeah, not great timing. Um, and I just keep thinking about Jack Flaherty's return, Randy, how he's getting close to being um, on a rehab assignment. And the Cardinals might be able to cover these innings for a little bit. Uh, maybe able to piece together some bullpen starts like they did last week. But Jack Flaherty, he's got to be right around the corner because you you don't know with the injuries to Mats and, <clears throat> excuse me, they're going to need him yeah. to return sooner rather than later. So if he starts, okay, it's the third. <laughs> Let's give him a start on the, the 10th. Let's say a week from today, he gets his first minor league start. So 10th, 15th, 20th. 25th. So maybe you see him right around the 4th of July or right before the 4th of July. If he's healthy enough to make a rehab start, he's going to start every fifth day. Give him four rehab starts down there. And I, I believe you have, he has 30 days, if I'm not mistaken, to, uh, of rehab starts. That would be 20. I, I wonder if that's enough to get him to where you want him to be. And if you get him back around the 4th of July, then take your chances. You would hope so, but you also don't want to rush it. You no, certainly no. don't want to rush him back. No, and that you've done everything you can with him. I don't know that there's... I mean, he's had so much time off. He essentially took last year off, too. Mm-hmm. And you wonder, at this stage, is it going to get much better? You almost have to say, okay, we're either going to go with it here or we're not going to. I think he needs to. And uh, Zach, by the way, his last start was the 31st. So June 1st, June 2nd. So I'd, Zach would not be available tomorrow for the Cardinals. Getting back to what we were talking about, the Cardinals and they, their need to beat up on the rest of the division, this stretch is a great opportunity to do so. Mm-hmm. You have four more games versus the Cubs, then three at Tampa Bay, three versus the Reds, and then you have a four-game set versus the Pirates before you see the Red Sox and the Brewers. So that is a nice stretch there for you to be able to really – hammer these teams that you should be better than and improve your your place in the standings. And here's the key. The key is going to be you already have Wainwright and Michaelis pitching at a high level. If you can get Dakota Hudson to continue to pitch the way he did this week here in St. Louis, if you can have those three at the top of your rotation, then you have a chance. And you're going to have to roll the dice with the back of the rotation with Matt's out and with Hicks out and until Flaherty gets here. That's going to be dicey. Libertor hopefully turns into something where you can at least get 500 uh, 500 record out of him. But if you can have those top three starting and plan on winning two out of three on a regular basis, that's what it takes to win a division. Also, give those guys some run support. Yeah, that'd be nice. Goldie's hotter than hot. Arnado seems to be turning the corner. If you can get both of those guys hot at the same time, that could be such a game changer. And let's jump ahead here because... If folks aren't aware of it, because of the lockout, the schedule changed at the end of the season. So September 30th through October 5th, the last six games of the regular season, the Cardinals have 
three against Pittsburgh here and then three at Pittsburgh. And you hope that Pittsburgh will have kind of mailed it in by that point and the Cardinals will have something to play for and they'll be able to take advantage of the Pirates at the end of the season. That's Michelle. I'm Randy and that's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, our last visit of this hockey season. Maybe, maybe not. We'll keep calling him until he doesn't answer. (laughs) Joe Vitale is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Blues booth. Boardwalk Hardwood Floors has great floors for every home with locations in West County, South County, St. Charles County, and our new location in Mid-County. And online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. National Donut Day to Joe Vitale, our friend, blues analyst here on 101 ESPN, <laughs> who's with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Uh, donut Day. You said it, Randy. I tell my kids all the time. They know this. They go, guys, there's only a few things I love in this world. I was telling family, pasta, a good glass of red wine, and donuts. And they'll repeat it. And they'll, they'll, let you, they'll let you feel the burn, feel the wrath. I love me some donuts. I, I like this. Okay, so we've had the discussion amongst us this morning. What is Joe Vitale's go-to donut? I think, honestly, the, the French crawler, to me, from Tim Hortons in Canada, I know it's crazy. There's something about it. Uh, truly, truly remarkable. Uh, but locally here in St. Louis, do you guys have you guys heard about Tony's out in North County over there? Yes, yeah. Tony's Donuts, their glazed donut is amazing. They also have a croissant donut. Which is not quite, not quite the twenty-seven layer donut that you're going to get from um, Ansel's place up in uh, New York. If you're ever, in, ever up in New- the Corona, Michelle, have you heard about this? I've, thing? I've had it. It's great. You I had it. Ansel's, yeah. Oh yeah, it was very good, Joe. Very good. I wouldn't wait in that line for it, but I got one from somebody. Very good. Okay, so you and me are on the exact same page. When we were up in New York, we had that six-day road trip there this this um, this past year with the Blues. I sat in that line, and this thing was wrapped around two blocks. I'm like, you know what? I'm in New York. Let's get it out. It was like an hour wait. I get it. You know what? It was fine. It was great. I, I'm not going to complain. I'll never complain about a bad donut. But at the same time, like, you know what? For like 10 bucks, I was like basically a buck fifty a bite. I'm like, ah, I could probably pass. <laughs> but that's, that, that's interesting what that guy did. You know, he's a, he's a French pastry guy. He creates this, this bakery up in New York. And he, he creates essentially um, a 27-layer um, croissant, and he decides to shave it into a donut and then fry it and calls it the cronut. What's even further cool that what he did was pretty, pretty smart. He actually patented it, right? So no one in the world can call a, a basically a 27-layer croissant donut a cronut. He, he has rights to that name. So that's why you'll see a lot of other places across the, the country in the world when they, they kind of mimic it and they'll call it like the 27 layer donut or the, or the multi-layer donut because, because of course he's got rights to that. But that, that certainly is a great donut. Um, you put a croissant and a donut together, that, that definitely can top it up there. But locally here in St. Louis, um, I love me a, a good Tony's and also the donut drive-in. I got a soft spot in my heart for that over at Watson. I'll never forget my dad coming home with a big box of those and some coffee when I was a kid. Good memories, good times. Joe, we have a lot to get to for Blues Hockey, but before we do, speaking of donuts and coffee, I have one thing that we talked about earlier in the show that I want to run by you because I think you might agree with me. I was telling Randy that if I could 
think about my purpose in life or my ideal life, what it would look like. I want to be one of those old Italian guys that wears the newsboy hats and sits outside a coffee shop and drinks coffee and BSs with their friends. Doesn't that just I seem like the life? I literally just sent a photo of these old Italian men to my friend the other day. I go, we need to create this here. Yes. I, I am so tired of these awesome old Italian people playing cards out in the streets. Yes, Joe. And we're not doing, I'm with you. We're not doing that here. We got to, we got to figure out a way to do that. My friend, uh, Giuseppe Giardina, he's a great Italian guy. We coach hockey together. He's deep rooted Italian roots. And I said to him, I was like, man, look at these old men. And you're right. Th- there's plenty of photos out there. You, you watch any Stanley Tucci video or, or there's uh, some great Instagram people. Obviously, they travel to Italy, and, and, the, and they, they love just highlighting these people. Um, they, they just they get together, and they socialize, and they're these little groups, and they play cards, they play dice, and they have their espresso, and they have their drinks in the evening. And they just they get along, and they just, I don't know, they talk about politics, and they, they, they yell at each other and scream at each other the way Italians do. Um, but not only not only that, it's fun, of course. But you look at you look at it's really popular in the island of Sardinia, which is kind of off the coast of Italy. And they uh, they've actually found that the people of Sardinia, Italy, it's pretty cool. They they consider these blue zones. I'm sure if you guys have heard about this or not, but uh, the Sardinia, Italy, is part of one of the blue zones, which basically means there's like seven locations around the world that they found that people live into their hundreds very frequently, like a lot of centurions where people will be 110, 106. They have brothers who are 115, whatever. It's just amazing, this island of Italy. So they, they really went in there, and they decided to kind of really break down a bunch of you know uh, philosophy people and scientific people and health nuts went in there. What are these people from Sardinia, Italy, doing so differently? And, and it's a multitude of things, right? It's um, they, they plant their own food for the most part. They only have meat really once a week, a lot of whole grains, a lot of beans. That's the diet aspect of it. But one of the aspects of it is the exercise and socialization. Where here in America, like if we think of exercise, we go to the gym for an hour. But over there, they, they literally leave their house and they walk to the center of the village, which is like all uphill. And it takes them like an hour, hour and a half to get there on a good day. But it takes them so long because they're stopping almost at every door to talk to friends along the way. And finally, they get to the, like the center where they're going to have espresso. It's already an hour and a half exercise. And then they <laughs> sit down and then they talk to all their buddies for an hour and a half. And they, and they laugh and they're hysterical. They go home and they take a nap. I mean, to me, it sounds like a pretty good life. Joe, we got to start the movement here, okay? We are going to start this somehow. I don't know what it's going to be called, but we're going to start a club where we hang out and drink coffee and we just sit outside. It's going to be awkward at first. People are like, <laughs> what are we doing here? Isn't it like, where, where are the iPads? Like, what? It's, like, hang with me. You got to bear with me. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to catch. It's going to click. And before you know it, you're right, Michelle. I'm with you. If you want to start a little group here, you know, it doesn't have to be just men, men, women, whoever, man. Yeah. Just, just people that appreciate just getting together, putting your phones away, bringing out an espresso, maybe some good Italian cookies from the hill, yeah. and just sit around on our – got to be lawn chair. It's got to yeah. be a yep. foldable Absolutely. lawn chair as well with a wood box where we're <laughs> going to play cards. I don't even play cards, but I'll learn. <laughs> Hey, Joe, I just assumed when you brought up Sardinia, Italy, that it would be the the birthplace, the place where we found or started eating sardines, and evidently it's not. Unfortunately, no. That, that I would believe that would probably be more southward Sicily. I know Sicily is obviously the fishing the fishing kind of kappa of, of Italy. But no, Sardinia, uh, although it's a plenty of coastline because it is its own island, uh, sharp people there, snappy people, not quite like Sicilians, Sicilians have a tendency to be a little bit more harsh. And, and the reason for that is, though, uh, 
because they've been taken over more than any like island in like the history of the world. Think of it. They're right in the middle of the Mediterranean. They're in the middle of all these countries. Uh, uh, they, they, so much influence from the from the from the Arabs and, and of course the Sicilians and Italy's and the Greeks and um, the Chinese even have taken over at some point. So that's why you see a lot of Sicilians and Sicilians have a, like a, a harsh attitude or like, a lot of Sicilians haven't talked to their sister in forty years. Like oh my god, how can you not talk to your sister for years? Because they they're just kind of snappy people. And, and the other thing too is they um, it's, it's it's a flat flat island, right? No, it's not a flat island. It's a very steep island because the mountain. So there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of room to grow crops in Sicily. So one of their main um, one of their main sources of income was actually raising goats for for milk and for and to make cheese because of because of the way the land was structured. Now the only problem with that is that at nighttime, uh, all, all these Sicilian shepherds their their sheep were getting eaten by wolves or people were taking their sheep. So that's where like Sicilians typically they're always looking over their shoulder. They don't trust a lot of people. It's because of those their deep rooted heritage of being shepherds. And having all these goats mm. and sheep up in the mountains, and the wolves are picking them off left and right. Joe, I always learn so much it's from amazing. you. It's amazing. It really is. I love it. All right, well, let's talk some blues hockey, because that's what the people want to hear, even though I think they're very entertained by our side <laughs> conversations here. You know, Joe, I just can't shake this feeling from the blues season ending that it's just an incomplete season. I know that the Avalanche were a really tough opponent, but it just feels like you didn't get the best version of the blues in that series. What do you think? You know, Michelle, I, honestly, Michelle, I kind of think the opposite. I, I think that they gave it a good run. You know what I mean? I, I think from the very beginning, you knew you were going to have to run through Colorado at some point, and, and you knew how good they were. I think Joe Sackett deserves a lot of credit for what he did this offseason. Uh, for some of the guys that he's brought in in his tenure, um, he's corrected the depth problem by getting players like Kadri. You know, he corrected the goaltender problem by getting the big guy in Darcy Kemper. Um, he's they, they've drafted very well. They've groomed players very well, and they have some size in the back end as well. So I think that Colorado was built to win this year, and I think that the Blues knew they were going to have to have a lot of puck luck and a lot of just magic to get through them. And listen, they took it to a four-two series. I mean, you look at what's happening in the Edmonton series. I think Edmonton's going to get swept. I mean, they, they, Colorado is just that good. So you're looking at a team that, to me, is favored to still win the Stanley Cup. I think they will be the Cup winners here in the next three to four weeks. I think it will be Landis Scott lifting the Cup up. And then you look at how the Blues fared against them, and, and they were right there. I mean, they're, they're a bounce away from taking that thing overtime to force in Game 7, and then, and then you're just one bounce away. And the fact that you did that without your starting goaltender in Jordan Bennington, you didn't have your, your quarterback, Tory Krug, who basically, to me, completely revitalized this team and changed the whole philosophy from a smash-mouth team to a puck possession team. So you don't have Tory Krug back there. Of course, that's on the power play as well. I mean, we're all starting to see the, the reports now with Braden Shen dealing with broken ribs um, for, the, for the better half of the whole season, but especially in playoffs. I, I, I talked to Braden. It's nothing I could say on the air during it because of obvious reasons, but that guy was banged up, man. You should have seen him walking on the plane. I mean, these players were dealing with some stuff. It was, it was pretty tough. And I know that the that it certainly didn't work out the way they wanted to, but I look at how, how close they, they came, a bounce away from forcing Game 7, uh, with all the banged-up injuries, with, all, with everything kind of going on this year, I just felt that they, they were still right there. So I, I look at this season from an optimistic standpoint, and I look at especially the offseason, Michelle, from an optimistic standpoint, too, because they're right there and they're so close. This is not a lot of work Doug Armstrong has in front of them. you got to get a couple guys signed, maybe get one or two new players. But the goaltending situation, it's already been resolved. you got great guys coming back, core pieces, young pieces, guys coming up in the system, and you're so close already. It's only a few tweaks here and there. I think this Blues team's going to be right back in the mix. Hey, Joe, you're around this team so much. I look at it from the outside, and if I'm 
I'm the Dallas Stars, if I'm a team looking for a coach, I'm coming to St. Louis. I'm, I'm talking to Steve Ott. They've already had Jim Montgomery, but I'm, I'm talking to Van Ryan. This staff is so good. At some point, do you think guys will start to get picked off as head coaches? I, I do. I think Mike Van Ryan's an interesting one. You know, I, I will say, Steve Ott, I mean, they're all, they're all amazing. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Jim Montgomery, like you mentioned, Randy, he's already got NHL experience. He's taken that Dallas team all the way um, to bounce away from making it to the Western Conference Final. He's 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 won national championships in college. Everywhere Jim Montgomery has gone, he's won. Okay, so that that's that's not to be misunderstood. And I think a lot of GMs are intrigued by that. You look at you look at a guy like Mike Van Ryan. You know, one thing about Mike I will say is he has head coaching experience. Of course, you know, coaching the American Hockey League there in Tucson underneath uh, the Arizona Coyotes. That means something to GM. They don't necessarily want to bring in someone who's only been an assistant in the National Hockey League. In some ways, they actually prefer a guy be ahead in the American Hockey League, case in point, uh, Craig Berube, you know, when he was in Chicago there for a little bit before Doug said, okay, I'm going to give him a shot in the National Hockey League. So that's what Mike Van Ryan's got going for him. He's got a head coaching experience. And to me, Mike's got a really good presence on the bench. He's got a head coaching presence. And I know some of the players I've talked to on the side, um, they get a little peed by Mike at times because he does kind of like, have that head coaching philosophy when at times you kind of need him to be more of an assistant, like your best friend. But I think at the end of the day, that's just who he is. And I think he's unapologetic about it. So I think that Mike certainly fits that mold as a head coach. And then of course, the other one you mentioned, Steve Ott, you know, Steve, Steve really impressed me when I, when I joined the broadcast booth and I, I got to know him a little bit as a coach, he really surprised me because how intelligent he is. People don't, people don't understand this about Steve. They, they think of, they think of a head coach exactly the way he played as a player, but it's not the case for, for any of the coaches for that matter, but especially Steve. Steve was, you know, for the better for the better part of his career, he was like a Brad Marchand. He was a bit of a rat. He went out there, he disturbed, he disrupted, he got under the skin of guys, but he kind of played that, I don't want to say dumb game, but it was very like a, a caveman game, right? And then you, you, you see him take over a coaching job with the St. Louis Blues, and you're like, well, he's probably going to have that same caveman uh, approach to coaching, but it was the opposite. I mean, He's so articulate when he speaks. He, he breaks down the game uh, in, in such a way, not only that it's effective, but easy for players to understand. He's very, very um, shortly removed from the game. So that, that's another advantage that Steve has. But I am just super impressed with the educated approach he has to the game of hockey. He will be a head coach one day, unfortunately, I think for Steve right now. I think that he is going to need probably need to find some experience in the American Hockey League as a head before he gets um, a sniff as a head coach, but certainly qualified and just uh, extremely impressive to be around. And for all three of those guys, uh, everyone just loves being around them. And I, and I don't believe we are going to see a, a coaching staff next year or a bench next year that looked like how it ended this year. I just think there's just too much uh, high hockey IQ on the bench right now that someone's going to pick someone up. We always love being around you. We always appreciate the time you spend with us. and We always learn something and we, we, we've got a good idea. We just got to move this forward now. Exactly right. Let's just keep doing it. You know, guys, I, I really I really appreciate all these Friday chats as well. They're one of my favorite ones. I look forward to them. I love stepping outside the house and doing them. And uh, you guys put on a great show and, and, and keep doing the great work and bring, and bring it to the people the way you've been doing it. We'll do it. Thanks, Joe. V. See you later. Take care. Uh, have a good day. Bye-bye. That's Joe Vitale on 101 ESPN. I'm telling you, we need to start a coffee and conversations crew. Triple mm-hmm. C. We need to get matching newsboy hats. We need to go full St. Petersburg. You put your phone in a basket and we just sit around a table outside drinking a cup of coffee, maybe eating a donut, playing some cards, and we just enjoy each other. Love the idea. We got to do it. We will. By the way, the job openings right now in the National Hockey League, Dallas, Detroit, 
Philadelphia, Vegas, and Winnipeg. Those are the jobs that are officially open. A couple of interim jobs that have not been given to the interim coaches yet. The Blackhawks, Oilers, they'll give theirs to Jay Woodcroft. And Panthers, who will give theirs to Andrew Burnett. So really, the Blackhawks are the only one. But there are some jobs out there. I would hate for one of our guys to get the job and go succeed in Vegas. I just Not yeah. that I don't want him to, see, to succeed. I just don't want him to succeed against us in Vegas. So go somewhere else, fellas. I don't want any of them to go anywhere else. And <laughs> and honestly, that's something that we probably haven't talked about enough is what an asset this coaching staff was to this Blues team. They're awesome. They're great. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And coming up, we've got The Fight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to The Fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. It's time for the Friday edition of The Fight on Carricker and Smallman, 839 in St. Louis. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Let's head to the phone lines here. Nick is joining us on 101 ESPN. He's Randy's competition this morning. And uh, Nick, I don't know if you're aware of this, but we are hosting a trivia event for Adam Wainwright tonight. So you're a little appetizer, a little trivia appetizer for Randy today. How do you feel about that? Uh, I'm hoping that he's rusty and not uh, not quite ready. <laughs> I hope so, but too. He, but he always is. I hope so, too. Are you ready to take on Randy? Yeah, do it. All right, Nick, here we go. Question number one. In 1987, which Mets player went barreling into the Cardinals' dugout after a foul ball, crashing into and breaking the leg of Cardinals pitcher John Tudor? Was it Gary Carter, Barry Lyons, or Keith Hernandez? Uh, Man, Tim Horton was just talking about this on the broadcast the other day. I think it was, oh my gosh, Gary Carter. On this day in 2018, Steph Curry set the record for most three-pointers in a finals game with nine. Whose record did he break? Was that Reggie Miller, Danny Green, or Ray Allen? In a finals game, you said? Yes. Um, Let's go Ray Allen. Nick, who was the last pitcher in Major League Baseball to throw nine full no-hit innings but not finish the game with a no-hitter? Was it Jared Weaver, Pedro Martinez, or Rich Hill? I think that was Rich Hill. And happy birthday to St. Louis Ram, Azir Hakim. How many total touchdowns, excuse me, Super Bowl champion, of course, how many total mm-hmm, touchdowns mm-hmm. receiving plus returns did he have in that 1999 Super Bowl winning campaign? 9, 10, or 11? Hmm. Let's go. Uh, let's go with ten. We have confirmed the score. We're waving in Randy. Hey, you've got to give him the title. Super Bowl I had champion. It, I had it. I had it later in the question, but it felt weird when I said his name and I didn't have it immediately afterwards. I was like, you know what? I'm saying it twice. I don't care. Yeah, definitely say it twice. It's like when you win an Oscar. You're always introduced as Oscar winner <laughs> exactly, Randy Carricker exactly. or whatever. Unless John Travolta is introducing you. Oh, she was just a musical act. Yeah, Adele Dazim. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Adele Dazim. Yeah. And Dina Menzel. <laughs> the disrespect. Yeah. I'll let it go. 
Randy. <laughs> on fire today. <laughs> Very good. Say what's up to Nick. Hey, Nick. Good morning. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Anytime. Now, as I told Nick, Randy, you have a lot of trivia on your plate today. This I is do. kind of the appetizer of your trivia meal. It is. Right. Breakfast. It's breakfast trivia. It is breakfast trivia. Are you ready to go? I'm ready. Question number one for Randy. In 1987, which Mets player went barreling into the Cardinals dugout after a foul ball, crashing into and breaking the leg of Cardinals pitcher John Tudor? So, Michelle, a couple of things. Number one, the night before. (laughs) Two things that happened the night before. Uh, The night before was uh, seat cushion night when Tom Hur hit the Grand Slam. The famous Grand Slamma called by Jack Buck. Also that night, I go to that game. I get home, and the Capitals and Islanders are playing a triple overtime playoff game. It was unbelievable. One of the great games of all time. And so the next day, get back to the ballpark, and John Tudor just sitting by himself, taking it easy in the dugout, uh, foul ball to the right side. Barry Lyons barrels into the Cardinal dugout and breaks John Tudor's leg. On this day in 2018, Steph Curry set the record for most three-pointers in a finals game with nine. Whose record did he break? Steph broke the record with nine. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go that. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Michael against Seattle. The uh, game. Randy just did the shrug. shrug this, the yeah. shrug. Randy, who was the last pitcher in Major League Baseball to throw nine full no hit innings but not finish the game with a no hitter? Nine full no-hit innings and not finish the game with a no-hitter. Um, not Okay, nine full. Can you repeat that again? Sure. Nine full. Who was the last pitcher in Major League Baseball to throw nine full no-hit innings but not finish the game with a no-hitter? Okay. So, uh, through nine, but the game went extra innings. I'll do the lifeline here. Jared Weaver, Pedro Martinez, Rich Hill. Mm. Rich Hill was in that perfect game conversation. He was actually taken out. Pedro or who was the first game? Jared Weaver. (laughs) J-Dub. I think I'll go with uh, the former angel, Jared Weaver, who I saw at a steakhouse here during the 2006 playoffs with... uh, his brother, his brother Jeff, and he were out just having a nice meal during the World Series. Nice. Happy birthday to St. Louis Ram and Super Bowl champion Azir Akeem. How many total touchdowns, receiving and returns, did he have in the 1999 Super, win- Super Bowl winning campaign? Super Bowl winning campaign. Just regular season stats, by the way. So he, well, he had four in the game against Cincinnati. I am going to say, let's see, five, six... Because he had the two returns. Come on in. He's on down. He's on down the road. Um, I've got a number in mind. And I'm going to go with... I hope I don't mess it up here. I'm going to go with... Nine. With that final answer that Randy got correct... We're headed to the tiebreaker round. Whew, it's a tiebreaker on a Friday. Nick and Randy each got two correct. 
It means we need to break the tie. Here's how this is going to work, Nick, as you hear Randy get his yellow legal pad out and ready to go. I'm going to read the tiebreaker question. Randy's going to write his answer down on said paper. We're going to give you first crack at it, give you about 10 seconds to reveal your answer. Then Randy will share with us what he has written down. Uh, what is happening here? I missed, a, I missed a word when I was typing up the typewriter. Oh, I just okay, to okay, up. okay. Some commotion <laughs> behind the scenes. Anyway, we're going to give you, you you first crack at it. Randy will then share with us what he wrote down. First, you get it correct or closest to the pen. And let me make sure that I have this right. We don't want any justice for anybody comments today. This is what you, the word you were looking for? Yes. Okay, okay. Sorry. Got it. Confirmed. Okay, Randy, are you ready? Ready. Nick, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, boys. Here is your tiebreaker question. How many consecutive playoff series wins has Pat Maroon been a part of? Oh, man. Ooh, okay. All right. So there was two this year already. Four last year. That's six. Four the year before. That's ten. Four the year before. That's fourteen. I'm going to go 14. Randy, your answer? 14. Correct for both of you. Do we have another question, Matthew? Because we need a double tiebreaker here. You guys both got it correct. Here, well, I, I do have it. Yes. How many total? How many total return touchdowns in his career did Oz Hakim score? Oh man. Let's see. This includes uh, Rams and Lions. Yes. <clears throat> Say that one more time for Nick. How many total? And across his entire NFL career, how many total return touchdowns did Azir Hakim score? Randy has shared his answer. Nick, whenever you're ready. I'm going to say seven. Nick says seven. Randy says three. I don't know the correct answer. Oh, I just saw it. We do have a winner. Someone got it correct. Double overtime on a Friday. The drama. Who's our victor? Is it Nick or is it Randy? Matt, ring the bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by High and Dry Foundation Repair, home of the non-commission-based sales force and hassle-free warranty. Just win, baby. Don't worry about that. Almost gave us sunshine lollipops. Nick, what a heartbreaker. I was cheering for you. I'm so sorry. Double overtime. You did such a good job. Thanks. Uh, had my two kids were listening, cheering me on. They listened to me most mornings, and I had a lot of pressure. Not just Randy, but I had them watching me the whole time too. Nick, what are your kids' names? Brayden and Henley. Brayden and Henley. Shout out to you two. Yep. Your dad's a Hall of Famer in our book, and thanks for listening and sharing your mornings with us. They're they're silently sharing. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, a lot. thanks, Nick. Have a great weekend. All right, let's give our answers here. So uh, in 1987, it was Barry Lyons who went barely into the Cardinals' dugout. He crashed into and broke the leg of John Tudor. Ouch. Big time ouch. On this day in 2018, Steph Curry set the record for the most three-pointers in a finals game with nine, breaking Ray Allen's record. Mm, uh, that was the other name I had. But should've, I didn't go with it. Should have. Should have. Wouldn't have had to go to double overtime. I almost asked a question about the shrug, too. The last pitcher to throw nine full no-hit innings but not finish the game with a no-hitter was Rich Hill. It was October 23rd, 2017. That He was taken out by first Dave pit, Roberts? No, first pitch of uh, the 10th uh, home run. Oh, okay. Walk off. Yeah, yeah. And shout out to an HBD2 Super Bowl champion, Oz Akeem. 
the total amount of touchdowns, receivings plus returns that he had with the St. Louis Rams and that 1999 season was nine. Had to Randy, count them up. You were right. Eight receiving and one punt return mm-hmm. touchdown. Nine total. Which took us to our first tiebreaker question. How many consecutive playoff series wins has Pat Maroon been a part of? Nick and Randy both got it on the nose. Fourteen. One of the great dynasties in sports. Yep, no doubt. The big rig, which came to our second tiebreaker question, Matt, which was? How many total return touchdowns did Oz Hakim have across his entire career? The answer was three. Randy hit the jack on it. Nick said seven. Randy hit three. That was the answer. Randy, wow. Good job. Just a whoo. So Nick was great. Great to have Nick with us on 101 ESPN. He was great. And shout out to his kids. There is a fight. Hey, Katie Wu broke down a potential problem for the Cardinals. What if, like last year, they just don't have enough arms to get through this stretch? That's next. Uh, yes, Matthew? We gotta switch up. Sean Kelly. Oh, Sean joins. Kelly next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A busy weekend for the Cardinals and the Cubs. Four more after last night's Cubs win in the opener. Native St. Louis and Sean Kelly, who calls college football, NBA, MLB, pretty much everything the ESPN radio does, joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Sean, it's always great to talk to you. How are you doing this morning? Doing great. Good morning, guys, from a uh, cab in downtown Chicago. Love it. So you had the opportunity to do a couple of Cardinal games last weekend, and you're going to do their uh, game tomorrow on ESPN Radio. Just want to get your impressions as, as somebody who's watched the team forever. What do you think of the 2022 edition? They're fun. I, I, I enjoy watching them. Um, they remind me of some of those Cardinals teams that, Randy, you and I grew up with a long time ago, just the ability to play uh, defense maybe not as good as last year, but they they run. Uh, we see a little small ball here and there, but but yet there's something still missing from this team. And I, I, I'm hoping that as we turn into June, uh, health will help the Cardinals a little bit, especially in that starting rotation, and uh, maybe some continued hot play from a certain first baseman as well. Yeah, I don't know, Sean, how he could get much hotter. He extends that hitting streak to 24 games. He reached base safely for his career-best 38th consecutive game. It'd be great to see he and Nolan Arnato really go on a run together, too. That would absolutely change the complexity of this Cardinals offense, don't you think? Yeah, one was hot in April. The other's been hot in May. And if, if Goldie's not the player of the month in the National League in May, I, I think I probably just need to change professions at this point. <laughs> uh, I can't think of anybody hotter, but if you get the two of them clicking in the right way. And then I think, you know, one of the guys that I've really enjoyed watching, especially in person last weekend and, and moving forward is Brendan Donovan. So if he can continue to produce these young guys, fill in some of these holes that, that injuries have brought about, um, yeah, you get closer to having more tough outs than the other guys line up. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, Sean, if you would have told us at the beginning of the season that in the latter part of May, early part of June, the Cardinals would be missing O'Neill and Carlson, but we don't know whether they were winning or losing. We would have thought the team was really struggling because of the way those two performed down the stretch last year. To me, this has been a, a big advantage for the Cardinals to learn a lot about guys like Donovan and Upez. Yeah, no doubt. Both of those guys, and probably Brennan's been a little more consistent than, than Juan, but uh, there's no doubt that, that Juan has showed his ability to stay here. Uh, if if the situation is, is such that you miss those two other guys for longer than expected, you know, you projected that as one of the best outfields in baseball coming in, and injuries have had some say in that, and then O'Neill's 
kind of poor start at the plate has also had something to say about that. But Randy, like you said, you've you've you found some pleasant surprises in, in those guys, and um, and I think that probably if you look at Gorman's situation too, that's allowed you some more flexibility as well in whether it's versus right or left or as Ali Marmel has shown to do, not afraid to give some of the older guys that day off when seemingly a fan may say, oh, no, don't do that. You know, um, those things help, and, and, and it provides the flexibility for you to uh, stay or get to be more consistent because they're not quite there yet. Sean, on the Cubs side of things, we know that they're in a bit of a rebuild right now, but Christopher Morrell has been kind of a lightning rod, a galvanizing force for this team. He seems like a guy that could really be a part of their plans for the future. What have you been your assessments of him so far? You hold your breath when he comes up to the plate. Um, you know, we saw it in their win against Milwaukee midweek. We saw it last night right, right away when Libertor struggled out of the gate with the extra base hits. He was a part of that parade. Uh, he hits with pop, and, and I think he hits to all fields better than maybe he gets credit for. And, and I think that he's proven to be awfully good defensively, too. So that's a guy that I'm sure Chicago's want to make sure that they they continue to bring along in the right way. But at the same time, he's become probably more of a centerpiece than perhaps even they even expected. Hey, Sean, uh, we, we would be remiss if we didn't ask you about the NBA. You spend the NBA season doing games and know both Golden State and Boston very well. For you, what's the differentiator in this series? Size, perhaps, for Boston uh, and and their defense. The other thing about Boston is they're unflappable, and I think that is something that the Warriors haven't seen in prior opponents. We know the Warriors is kind of an unflappable team that doesn't seem to have a conscience or a memory. Boston in itself uh, has proven itself to be the same way. I mean, we're talking about the team last night that was going into this thing with nobody having NBA Finals experience. The Warriors have all the experience. Uh, the Warriors get the hot start from Curry. They do what they do in the third. That usually puts teams away. And here's Boston, almost as if they don't know any better, uh, has that unbelievable fourth quarter last night and got really the role players to hit some big shots. And and Randy, our guy Tatum, our St. Louis guy, Jason Tatum, shot very poorly last night, but all of a sudden he became a playmaker and had 13 assists. And what do you think the response, Sean, will be from Golden State in Game 2? What adjustments do you think they might make? Well, they won't go zone in the fourth quarter again like they did last <laughs> night. That proved to be a big mistake. Um, they got carved up with drive and kick. And then when, when Boston went small, uh, basically putting Horford at the five, uh, they didn't quite have the counter for that. It kind of left Looney in no man's land. So knowing Steve Kerr as I do, they'll make big adjustments. Uh, they'll counter that and show them a much different look. And, you know, they'll, they'll get a better game from Clay Thompson, too, I think, at some point uh, in, in that situation because Clay just didn't quite look like Clay has looked in, since his return uh, from injury. So I, I don't count the Warriors out one bit, that's for sure. Final thing for Sean Kelly, and you've done so many big games over the years, but when you get behind the microphone, whether it was last weekend in Bush or uh, over the years, is doing Cardinal baseball kind of a childhood dream come true? Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, I still remember, I guess it was 2019, the first game I did at Bush Stadium. I, I still don't remember most of that game. I really don't. <laughs> I was in my own head so so badly. This last weekend was such a joy uh, to be back in St. Louis, to be able to see some family. Um, and, of course, you know, I got the chance to do two Cardinal wins. And so while I'm supposed to be objective and unbiased, I can't help it a little bit. And so... Therefore, uh, last weekend was super enjoyable. The weather, the crowds, all of it. And it, 
you look, I, I'd be lying to you if I said, told you that anything is more enjoyable than coming back home to do those games. Well, it's pretty awesome, and it's great that you get the opportunity to do it. And it'll be great to hear you this weekend on ESPN Radio. Sean, thanks so much for the time. Have a fun weekend up there. Thank you, guys. Take care. See you later. That is Sean Kelly. He is the voice of pretty much everything on ESPN Radio. By the way, our number one college football voice on ESPN Radio. And doing a great job in every single sport. And how cool is it not only that he gets to come home and call Cardinal games, but he gets to do so and call uh, the season with Albert Pujols, Adam Wainwright, and Yadier Molina together. That's one for the record books. And we will have Sunday night baseball here on 101 ESPN. uh, 5 o'clock pregame Sunday, Cards and Cubs, right here on 101 ESPN. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up next... We've got our Blues Postseason Awards. Stick around for those here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seiden Stricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Michelle and Randy. And the blue season ended a week ago tonight. We've had time to digest the regular and post seasons. And it's time now for the Carriker and Smallman Blues Postseason Awards. And Michelle, we'll get things started with your Blues MVP. There's a lot of ways you can go with this MVP award because there were so many different players on this Blues team that contributed But, Randy, when I think about contributing in every single facet of the game on and off the ice, my Blues MVP is number 57, David Mm. Perron. I think about everything he went through this season, that concussion that he suffered after Thanksgiving and how that was such a scary time for him going on the COVID list. He had to battle through a lot and it took him a while to get going. We talked to him every week during that time about how frustrated he was, but then he did get going and like a fine wine, he aged throughout the season during the regular season, 57 points. He still had 27 goals and 30 assists, but if we're talking MVPs to include the postseason, I don't know how David Perron is not in that conversation. He led the team in so many ways 13 points nine goals team leaders in both of those categories and all of the little things that he does on and off the ice that contribute to this blues team success whether it's motivating uh, the players doing those little pesky things to get under the opposition skin he's just an all-around great player and i don't think this blues team would be where they were this season without david perron that's a very good call i'm going to go a little bit more off the board and i'm going to go with justin falk a uh, 41-point defenseman. He was a 40-plus uh, 40 41. He was sixth in the NHL in in plus-minus. Did everything that you could ask of, both offensively and defensively. And with Colton Braco having a rough first half and Krug being injured and out with COVID at times, the rock back there on that defense was Justin Falk. So I'm going to go with Justin Falk for my Blues MVP for the season. Very good. I like that that pick too, Randy. Thank you. All right. Next up is most improved player. Again, you could go a bunch of different ways with this one and I really struggled between two different players here, but I don't know how I don't give it to Ville Husso. 
He became the guy this year in a big, big way. We knew that prior to Jordan Bennington becoming the guy for the Blues and being a, a Stanley Cup hero and getting the big contract, Billy Huso was actually rated higher on the depth chart than Jordan Bennington. We knew that the skill was there. He just needed to be given the opportunity. And he ste- stepped up for the Blues in the regular season in a major way. He, he really showed what he can do. And even though there was a bit of a lull in the postseason he came back in that series versus Colorado and I thought he did a really good job so he's my most improved player and Michelle my most improved is going to be Ivan Barbashev here's a guy that had been pretty much pigeonholed as a fourth liner previous to this year in his five years in the NHL a career high of 14 goals a career high of 26 points this year 26 goals, 34 assists for 60 points. He played on all four lines and did so effectively. Played 81 games. So I'm going to go with Ivan Barbashev as my most improved. You know who my other person was in that conversation? Mm. Robert Thomas, who I thought took a big step forward this year. We really really saw um, the maturation of Robert Thomas and Wow, how critical was he to the Blues' success this season? All right, next up is the Trust Army Award. A player that uh, we really didn't see coming, but Armstrong said, yeah, he's actually going to do some things for us, and then did. I feel like I say this in every category, but there's so many different ways that you can mm-hmm. go with this. My first thought was Pavel Buchnevich, who was another great acquisition by Doug Armstrong, who ended up playing on one of the hottest lines in hockey this year. But Randy, I'm giving my Trust Army Award to the guy you gave your MVP award to, and that's Justin Falk. Army is always playing chess, not checkers. And when he knew that the Alex Petrangelo decision was looming, he went out and acquired Justin Falk as a bit of a safety net for the potential that Alex Petrangelo could leave. And it took a season or two for Justin Falk to really find his footing here in St. Louis. But once he got comfortable, not only in his position, but with his place on this team, boy, has he thrived. He's been mm-hmm. so critical to their success. You gave all the stats in the MVP segment, so I won't go there, but my Trust Army Award is Justin Falk. And Michelle, because of the lack of success that the Blues got when they signed Kyle Clifford, one of the moves that Doug Armstrong has made that didn't work, but then you move Barbashev up to a, a top nine forward role, and Oscar Sundquist never really recovers. And from the time he drafted Alexei Torochenko back in 2017, and especially at the end of the 18 season, and pretty much at the end of the 19 season too, Army has been talking about this guy being on the way. Torochenko is a 6'6", 226-pounder. The Blues needed a fourth-line presence, and Torochenko delivered that. So I'm trusting the long-term Army who, who said, Three, four years ago, he said, hey, this guy is going to do something for us someday. Torpchenko came up and did, and I think we can count on Torpchenko to be a key fourth liner next year. So my Trust Army Award goes to Alexei Torpchenko. Very good. All right. Now the Didn't See That Coming Award. You have... My didn't see it coming award goes to number 91, Vladimir Tarasenko. Yeah, that's a good call. After the offseason where the, oh, there was all the rumor swirling that he wanted to be moved, how many debates did we have over what version of Vladimir Tarasenko even existed again? After three surgeries on your shoulder and all of the injuries that he's had, I thought that the best days of Vladimir Tarasenko were long gone. Me too. Not because he didn't have the desire to get there. We knew how diligently he was rehabbing and how much dedication he put into getting himself back to peak Vladimir Tarasenko form. I just didn't know if his body would be able to sustain it. So it's not even the team leading 82 points or the team leading 34 goals that I didn't see coming from Vladimir Tarasenko, Randy. It's the 75 games played. (laughs) I just didn't think he would be available for the Blues. But after everything that went on in the offseason, not only with his health, health, but the 
the consternation about him maybe being here or not, he turned the page and was a key contributor to this Blues team. And frankly, I'm the first to admit, I didn't see that coming. I did not either. I don't think even the Blues saw that coming. Michelle, my didn't see that coming award is going to go, going to go to your most improved. I didn't see Ville Husso coming. I, mine is kind of two-pronged. I didn't see Jordan Biddington falling off the cliff like he did during the season and Husso having to start 40 games, but especially after last season where, especially early on, there were so many games where he would allow a goal on the first or second shot for him to turn in a 40-game season where he had 38 starts, went 25-7 and seven with a 919 save percentage and a goals against a 2.56. I did not see that coming from Ville Husso. So he wins my award for that. And the best moment. This is kind of like the best picture award. Da, 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 da. My best moment of the season, and it's not recency bias, game five, five versus Colorado. The Blues coming out with a 5-4 overtime victory over the Colorado Avalanche. One of the great games we'll ever see. They're down 3 nothing late in the second period, 4-3 late in the third, and they come out and win that game 5-4 in overtime. Tyler Bozak being the overtime hero. It was just one of the most drama and anxiety inducing games that we've ever seen and it's such a shame that the Blues weren't able to pull out the series win after the magic of game five but I think that we're all going to look back on this season and that's the moment that we'll remember. That will. That's what I have too. I don't know that you can pick I I don't remember anything that rises to that level where you had that sort of drama and then you had the Blues scoring late and then you had the the winner in overtime by Bozak. I don't think that anything from this particular season matches that. So that's my best moment as well. Game five against Colorado. They got the Blues within 3-2 in the series. Those are our Blues season awards for 21-22 here on Carriker and Smallman. Coming up next, are the Cardinals going to have enough arms if they have somebody else go down to an injury? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Well, the Cardinals will probably use their eighth starting pitcher of the year tomorrow in Chicago. Michaelis, Wainwright, and Hudson have each started 10 games. Steven Matz has started nine. He's on the DL. And then Jordan Hicks, Matthew Libertor, who started last night, and Packy Naughton have all started. And Packy will probably get one of the starts tomorrow, Michelle. And the Cardinals are at a point now where, with what they have at the minor league level, Johan Oviedo has not pitched well. Zach Thompson got lit up and of late has not pitched well. There isn't much insurance for the Cardinals to fall back on if, indeed, another pitcher should go down. And even in a doubleheader tomorrow, they're in trouble. Katie Wu wrote about the lack of uh, innings the Cardinals are getting out of the people beyond uh, Michaelis, Wainwright, and Hudson. And it's kind of alarming, especially after what happened last year. Yeah, with Stephen Matz and Jordan Hick. Hicks on the injured list and Jack Flaherty not yet ready to return. It is something that should be raising a bit of a red flag for the Cardinals. How are we going to find enough arms to cover these innings? And even though Packy Naughton and Andre Pallante did a good job covering those innings in that um, game in the Padres series, you do wonder who's going to step up for the Cardinals and go deeper. You know that Miles Michaelis and Adam Wainwright are going to be able to give you enough innings, but it is the guys in the bullpen after that that you have to be worried about. And Randy, you mentioned some of the options for the Cardinals 
Cardinals to potentially use, especially in the doubleheader tomorrow. What's going on with Jake Woodford? Why do you think that they are so down on him? Well, one of the great things about Oliver Marmol is that he is honest. He, he's kind of like Craig Bruby in yeah. the way he says, hey, this is the way it's got to be. And it wasn't performance-based. They asked Jake Woodford to improve his slider, to get it back to where it was at the end of last year, and it just didn't get any better. And they told him, they said, look, it's not performance-related. You've got a 2.25 ERA, but that's not sustainable here. You can keep pitching. It's almost identical to something Craig Bruby would say. It's, okay, the, the numbers, the performance are there, but you're not going to be able to keep this going if you keep doing it this way. And so that's their complaint with Woodford. But it is surprising that for one start, uh-huh. they wouldn't bring him up. You get the 27th, and maybe they will. Maybe tomorrow maybe. They'll, they'll bring him up as the 27th guy on the roster. But you also have uh, Chris Vonderha, who... Uh, you mean Drew Verhagen? Drew, that's it. Drew Verhagen. There sorry. Yeah, Drew Verhagen. He pitched on <laughs> Monday against the Padres and only went one inning. He's only thrown two innings since May 27th. And he's a guy that's capable of giving you innings, too. So maybe he's the guy. Maybe Rondon gets called up as the 27th guy tomorrow. I would guess that Rondon would probably be ahead of Woodford in line. But my concern isn't who starts. It's how long they go. They needed five out of Libertor last night. Didn't get it. Mm -hmm. So now you've got to get innings out of Michaelis today. And then you just have to hope that you can get enough innings out of your starters tomorrow to get to Adam Wainwright on Sunday night. Yeah, Drew Verhagen could certainly be an option if you're looking for somebody in a long relief role. Mm -hmm. But back to to Woodford, I understand the logic long-term. This won't be sustainable for you, but this is a need-type basis. And so that's why whenever we're discussing names to be used in maybe one of those roles over the weekend, I'm just surprised that he might not be in the mix there. Here's the thing, Michelle, and I agree with you. Okay, it might not be be sustainable long-term. Right, if if you have the slider performing the way it's performed, but this seems kind of punitive. Why not bring him up? He does have the two point two five ERA. Give him the opportunity to throw the five innings, whether the slider is there or not. He's not going to be on the team after tomorrow. He goes back to AAA to work on the slider. He's the twenty seventh guy. So bring. Uh, I'm with you there. Bring him up to start one game because he likely, whether it is. Uh, Drew Verhagen or Packy Naughton. <laughs> did you really have to think about it for yeah, a I second? Did. I did. <laughs> <That's> so. <laughs> Verhagen, Naughton, Rondon. My thought process would be that the guy who has the best opportunity to give you five or six innings tomorrow is indeed Jake Woodford. I would too, and especially because we know that uh, Jack Flaherty is getting ready to start a rehab. Things are looking like they're progressing from him, for him. This is literally a plug a hole type situation. This is a, as I said, need to use basis. I don't think it will really impact the long term development or the message that you're trying to send him. No. If you if you bring him up and use him in this spot, and if I'm the Cardinals and I feel confident about what I think is a return from Jack Flaherty soon, I'm thinking we just need to cobble these innings together until hopefully he comes back and then maybe Matt's is around the corner. And the Cardinals desperately need not only Michaelis, Wainwright, and Hudson to stay healthy. That's one thing. But they need to continue to give them innings because right now, whether it is Jake Wood for tomorrow or whether it's Rondone or whether it's a Turner Matt of Matt's and or Hicks, Michelle, there isn't anybody beyond those three that you can say, 
I expect innings from them, and be fair about it. You're gonna, you're not going to get a lot of innings out of Steven Matz. That's not who he is. You're not going to get innings out of Hicks. When Jack Flaherty is back, you aren't going to get innings right away out of Jack Flaherty. Libertor doesn't look like that guy. He wasn't in AAA. Packy Naughton certainly isn't that guy. So because of the fact that whoever is starting beyond Wainwright, Michaelis, and Hudson is not going to give you innings, those three it's really incumbent upon them to give the Cardinals six at least every time. Take it or leave it. Wayno gives you a complete game on Sunday. <laughs> I'm going to leave it, but I, 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 he gives you at least seven. But isn't this so Adam Wayne, right, that he knows that his team will need him to go yep. deep and he'll go the, go the distance well, for them to make sure that to give the guys a rest? And I think we can safely assume that Marmol will get a text and Adam has told us several times over the course of the last couple of years on Wednesdays with Wayno, brought to you by Chick-fil-A here on 101 ESPN. <laughs> he has said that he texted Mike Schilt and said, hey, I'm the old guy. Abuse me. Mm-hmm. If you need innings, I'm the guy that can give you innings. And the performance, what Adam was saying was, if I give up six, I'll still give you innings. Yeah. Doesn't matter how many pitches I've thrown. Don't worry about that. Don't even use a pitch counter. I will give you innings. And... My guess would be that if the Cardinals are in that situation on Sunday night, that he'll tell Oliver Marmol, use me whatever way you feel like you need to use me. Don't worry about me. And depending on what happens this weekend and what the innings situation looks like for some of these guys, he might need to take him up on that. Right. And I'll be interested, by the way, to see how Michaelis responds today after his career-high 115-pitch outing mm-hmm. last time out. The car, Schilt was really reluctant to throw guys, except for Adam, more than 100 pitches. It looks like Ali Marmol is a little bit more old school and expecting guys and wanting guys to be horses. And I love that mentality. I do too. This is, I mean, that Dakota Hudson start the other day was huge. The fact that he was able to go over 100 pitches, get through seven innings, that was monumental. Obviously, unfortunately, they lost a lot of the momentum they kind of gave him when mm-hmm. Whitgren and, and Whitley kind of you know screwed around in the ninth and added you know pitches and 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 you know wear to their arm that they didn't need. But nonetheless, that those are the kind of starts they got to start getting every once in a while. The problem is you're not going to be able to lean on Dakota Hudson to do seven innings and 100 pitches consistently right now. It's just that's not viable. He's not efficient enough. That's exactly right. But at least you have a willingness on the part of the organization. Well, I don't know. I can't tell you it's a willingness yeah. on the part of the organization. But it is a willingness on the part of the manager to allow a pitcher to go through a lineup a third time. And that doesn't happen all the time in baseball, as Tampa Bay fans know. So... Sometimes that that can be a bad thing. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. That's Matthew. And next up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store. It is time now for... You're killing me, Smalls! Randy, we're kicking off the segment with a bit of breaking news. Let's hear it. 101 ESPN breaking news alert. The Phillies have fired Joe Girardi. 
Joe Girardi out with the Phillies. They announced, this is from Jeff Passan, they've named Rob Thompson interim manager for the remainder of the season. Their president, Dave Dombrowski, said that the Phillies, quote, needed a new voice to turn around what has been one of the most disappointing teams in baseball. The record right now is 22 and 29. And as Jeff Passan points out, they went internal for that, that voice. So to summarize, Joe Girardi out, Rob Thompson interim manager for the remainder of the season for the Philadelphia Phillies. And Philadelphia 10th in baseball in runs. They went out and spent tons of money on Schwarber and Castellanos during the offseason. They felt like they had a good team. As a matter of fact, our friend Greg Amzinger said that he thought they would win their division this year. One of the problems that they have, though, is that they've never really filled out the back end of their rotation. It's, it's not terrible, but they they have one really, really good pitcher, and they've had, for years, bullpen problems that uh-huh. still exist today. Yeah, I was going to say, Joe Girardi, is he in the bullpen? Is he part of the defense on the Phillies? Because those seem to be two pretty glaring problems that they're dealing with that I don't know that he can necessarily control. Yeah, part of that is a Dave Dombrowski issue, no doubt about it. And part of it, obviously, is the fact that Girardi couldn't convince Dombrowski that he was the guy to fix things in Philadelphia. Maybe Rob Thompson can. Things have happened before where managers have gotten fired and the team has gotten a boost. That team should be better than it is, but I don't know that it... I can't imagine that it's Joe Girardi's fault. I can't imagine that it is either, and I'm sure that he's going to have another job by next season if he so chooses. He's a good manager, but... You know, a lot of people in St. Louis clamor for more transactions. They want more big-name acquisitions. Isn't the Phillies a good example that you can go out and spend a bunch of money and bring in a bunch of big names, but if you don't have a complete team, it doesn't matter? It really doesn't. And Dombrowski should be better than this. He's been around, and you you hire Dave Dombrowski with the idea that you're going to win fast. And spend a lot of money. And spend a lot of money and spend all of your prospects. And they don't have a lot of prospects left in Philadelphia because they've before he got there, they had traded for JT Real Muto and and guys like that. So I don't uh, I don't think Philadelphia, if they're being realistic about their team, I don't think they're as good as the Mets or the Braves are, and I don't think they're nearly as good as the teams in the West. So. If they win a World Series this year with their new manager, I would be absolutely stunned. I don't think that they will. I'm going to take one quick... I, I'm, I don't think they will either. I don't think that they will. Their bullpen ERA in all of Major League Baseball is... Hold on here. Let me get the uh, statistic for you here. Pitching and then their bullpen ERA. Doo, 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 doo. We're doing a little uh, Jeopardy here. We're vamping. We're vamping. Yeah. We're Randy gonna, searching. Here we go. I got it. Uh, Philadelphia's bullpen ERA, scrolling, 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 21st in baseball at 4.15. Just not good enough. Their their record is 8 and 11 out of the bullpen. Rough. Yeah. You can't win that way. And I don't know if a new voice is going to change that. No, it's not. Especially a voice that's already there. Exactly. An internal voice. That's the thing I can't understand is I know that they probably don't want to bring in an external option during the season. They'll probably do that during the offseason, but... I don't know. If I'm a player on that team and you get rid of Joe Girardi, I'm thinking, I know it's bad, but you guys are panicking. Michelle, if you're going to make this move, if you're Philadelphia and your defense is bad and your bullpen is bad, you go hire Mike Schilt. Bingo. Fundamentals. Yep. 
Yeah, and a guy that can figure out how to piece a bullpen together, uh-huh. you go hire Mike Schell. That, Randy, is an interesting thought. Now, how do you think that he would respond to the fans and the media in Philadelphia? He's a pretty even-keeled, positive guy. I don't think they'll take well to his relentless positivity. Just saying. If they're winning, they will. Yes, but if they aren't, and it might take a while because he isn't a miracle worker. He's going to need you know some time Mm -hmm. to turn this thing around. Can you just imagine how Philadelphia would respond to Mike Schultz relenting, unrelenting positivity? It would be fun. It would be fun, but I mean, he it would be fun yeah. for us as observers. Right. It would not necessarily be fun for him. It's funny you say that. The last manager fired in season before the All-Star break? Mike Matheny. There you go. And oh, by the way, wow. Rob Thompson is taking over for the rest of the season in Philadelphia, their bench coach. So it's not going to be Mike Schultz, but it should be. Just for You're fun. You're killing too. me, Smalls. Sorry, what were you saying? Just for fun's sake. No, but maybe next season. Yeah, that'd be good. Maybe uh, Mike Schultz will be at the helm next season. Yeah, maybe he could change the demeanor and attitude of a town. Kind of like Joe Burrow did with Cincinnati. What do you mean? That he can make maybe, them nicer? Yes. And more positive? Uh-huh. Randy, one man cannot do that. Joe In Burrow Philadelphia? Did. No, Joe Burrow... He is a winner, and he got Cincinnati to believe in him and winning. I don't know if he changed their attitude. If there's one guy in baseball that could turn Philadelphia nice, it would be Mike Schilt. I'm sorry. I love you. Totally disagree. I think they will <laughs> chew him up and spit him out. I'm not saying that he would do I it. I'm Mike just saying Schilt, he's the only guy that would even come close to being able to pull it off. I think that they that would the torment him, and they would be mocking him all the time. I can't even imagine what he would have to deal with. Can you imagine if they were winning? If they were winning, they would probably throw batteries at him and then pat him on the back and say, good job. But I don't think they would like his attitude. Yeah, they probably aren't nice enough. The only only cross you need of hard-nosed Philly, not necessarily Philly, but hard-nosed with that softness, Adam Wainwright would be a great manager, I think. Here's the thing about Mike Schilt. He's the happiest guy All you need to do is activate the behind-the-scenes Mike yep, Schultz. right. All we need to do is ha- let the real Mike Schultz stand well, up. And there's some scar tissue there now, too. He might have... He might be tougher, yeah. yeah. He, he might have lost some of that innocence. Yeah. Some of that, that naivete. That's yeah. out the window. He understands the world is a cold, cold place. Yeah. Your dreams get ripped right from your arms, even when you've had success. Right. So you go to Philly and somebody asks you a stupid question, you say, why the hell are you asking that question? Are you an idiot? <laughs> That's what Schilty would have to do. Mike Nobody probably... comes into our bleeping house and, and bleeping pushes us around. They would it love does, that. Doesn't matter what market you're in, every market he's set up. That's true. Mike Schilt will never answer a phone call ever the same way again in his life after what happened no, here. No. Every phone call for him now is just going to be like, please, no, God, no, not this, this again. not going to go this the way you thought it was going to go. He's going to be like Joe Vitale told us earlier in the show about the Italians that are always looking over their yes, shoulder. exactly. Because of the sheep. It's just in our blood because the sheep were taken from yeah. us. That's Mike Schilt. You're killing me, Smalls. Randy fans, Francisco Lindor was not available for the Mets in their series opener against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Big piece of the puzzle. Why wasn't he available? Buck Showalter, tell us. Uh, Lindor shut his hand, door on his finger, right hand. Yeah, we were seeing if he might be able to play. Probably going to need a day. We're actually looking to see if he's going to be able to DH. Probably going to wait a day. I'm not going to broadcast what he's available to do tonight, but that happened last night when we got to the room. I think it was last night. Yeah, because he showed me some pictures when it, when it happened. 
No, the uh, uh, door in the hotel, one of the doors in the hotel. It was vacuum. I think it's the vacuum kind of door. I don't know. Let him tell you. That's right. He slammed his finger, closing a door at the hotel. He said the finger swelled up like crazy. Lindor said he was running around the room for three minutes. He didn't want to look at the finger because he didn't want to see what it looked like. He said he felt like he had a heartbeat in his finger. We've all been there. We all know that pain. And he said the last time he pinched a finger like that, he was 12 years old. Mm. But we've all jammed a finger and we felt that heartbeat in there. And you wonder if it's ever going to feel good again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you've had some really interesting ones over the years. You had Sammy Sosa sneezing and throwing out his back. (laughs) You had uh, Robbie Thompson, not the new manager of the Phillies, but Robbie Thompson, who claimed that he got injured while washing his pickup truck. Well, he was really injured while his his, uh, motorcycle went down with him on it. You had Clint Barmas, the old uh, Rockies shortstop, who was carrying groceries in both hands and walking up the steps to his apartment and slipped. You had some weird injuries. I think getting the uh, the finger caught in the in the hotel room door is right there. Yeah, I'd put it right up there with the drone. Yeah, the drone with uh, Trevor Bauer. Bauer. Yeah. yeah. That one was gruesome. Yeah. Didn't Holiday have like a bug fly up his a nose? Moth a moth in his ear. Moth in his ear. That's right. Yeah, that's that. That's the insane one. And then there were, who, was the, who was the guy who was, was it about, yeah, was, he was reaching, who was the one who lied about reaching for something on their counter and like breaking their hand on it? And then it came out later that they were just completely BSing the entire story. I don't remember. I can't remember who it was. Barmas, by the way, by the way, broke his collarbone. That's what it was. While he was carrying, it was bags of groceries. It was deer meat given to him by Todd Held. By another way, by the way, another one, Mike Matheny cutting his finger yes. before the 2000 playoffs after getting a knife as a gift from Will Clark. Terrible. Yeah. Great. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. I, I'm just loving all these great injuries from over the years. Von Hayes had one. I'm trying to think. Well, I guess nothing's going to beat Vince Coleman with the tarp, is it? Probably not. That was pretty good. Yeah. Or bad. Uh, that's your Killing Me Smalls on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch with What's on Tap, getting ready for a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle, I don't know that there's anything more fun in baseball the Nicards Cubs 120 Friday afternoon game. So good. Especially on a perfect summer day in yep. Chicago. Ugh, I wish I was there, Randy. I kind of wish I was too. But you know what? We have something great on deck tonight. We are going to be hosting with our friend Brad Thompson the Big League Impact Trivia Night. And Adam Wainwright, Paul Goldschmidt, Tommy Edmonds, some other Cardinals are going to be there virtually. We're going to interview them. They're going to participate in the trivia. Should be a great night and it's all for a great cause and what Adam Wainwright does with Big League Impact is remarkable. He told us a story a couple of weeks ago about a player that came up to him and said, I didn't know you were involved with, the guy had been involved with Big League Impact. He said, I didn't know you were involved with Big League Impact too. And Adam said, well, yeah, it's my, my brother and I founded it. Because he doesn't want it to be known as 
his foundation. He just wants it to be known as a baseball foundation that helps the world. And what's really cool about what they do, well, so many things are really cool about what they do, but they help these baseball players find what they're passionate about, and then they find a charity to connect with them and find ways that they can make a difference. So for some people, it might be food insecurity, and they can connect you with a food pantry. For Adam, we know that he goes to different countries, and he's really passionate about clean water, among other things. So whatever it is that these baseball players want to pour into, Big League Impact is going to find an outlet for them to do that. And it's really cool, because a lot of players, especially young players, they probably don't have a vehicle or understand what they can do. They, they know what their impact can do, but they just don't have a vehicle to utilize their impact. Yeah. Guys like Tommy Edmond that come up. I'm sure a guy like Nolan Gorman. Edmond kind of like is like, uh, like a little puppy dog that follows Adam around wherever there's a big league impact thing going on. He's going to be next week over at the Swing for Impact at Top Golf. And you he's going to be there tonight. Yeah. You can get information, by the way, for that at bigleagueimpact.org. But... Adam makes sure to get these guys involved quickly when they come up to the big league so that they understand that they have a spot that allows them to do great things, not only for their community, but for the world. And how cool is it that for some of those guys who might not know how to find that outlet, that Adam Wainwright has it readily available for them? Yeah. He he takes all of the guesswork out of it. Yeah, we're lucky. And he spawned like... Uh, you, you've got uh, Kyle McClellan with Brace for Impact that does un- incredible things in North St. Louis, building homes and renovating homes for families and getting people to work and getting people educated. And he's got work going on in Haiti. And then you think about a guy like Kyle Gibson from Mizzou, who's with the Phillies, who's doing unbelievable things. Players from all over Major League Baseball are helping out. And we're, that's one of the reasons that we're so excited to be involved, not only tonight, but all the time with Adam. Anything that we can do to make Adam mission easier for him we're willing to do absolutely and that includes randy auctioning off his greatest talent which is his brain megamind is available for purchase tonight that's right it's a trivia event and we know that no one is better at trivia than one randy character and if you're going to be there tonight you can have the opportunity to buy randy for a round and i will try to do everything i can to give you hundred percent in that round to get every single answer correct. In case you weren't listening to the fight today, and why weren't you? If you missed it, you can listen on the podcast at any time. Brought to you the, by Dobbs Tired Auto Centers. Thank you, Randy, on the 101 ESPN app. It's free. I mean, if you want to go on a run, tune in character and small yeah. men. Listen to the parts of the show you missed. Anyway, Randy took it to double overtime, and he pulled out the victory. So this is the type of knowledge and grace under pressure that you're getting if you purchase Randy Carricker tonight. Matthew. He went for the we we, we kind of glossed over this. He went for the jack on both extra uh, extra questions. That's right. He went fourteen for correctly guessed fourteen for uh, for Pat Maroon's consecutive streak series, he and did. then re- went with the jack as well. Azir Akeem's career return touchdowns. So even when he doesn't have the options, even when he, there are no options, he's hitting the jack on it. By the way, hey uh, XFL, if you're ever going to play again, <laughs> Oz wants to be your receivers coach here in St. Louis. Does he for real? Yeah, like he was before. Yes, he wants to come back. Oz, Oz wants the gig. So. If you're listening, and I don't know why you wouldn't be. We know the Rock is listening. Yep. Hey, Rock, Rock. Hi. Uh, get D- Oz here as our receivers coach, please. Dwan. Dwan. Dwayne, I know you're listening, and I'm going to call you by your government name because this is serious. You need to bring the Battlehawks back to St. Louis. We hear it's in the works. What is the holdup? Yeah, Come on, Dwayne. Unacceptable. We've, we've got merch here ready to go. I mean, let's let's do this already. Right. By the way, one other note we should pass along here is we're, we've been talking a lot about Adam. 
our friend Isaac Bruce is in town. He's got his youth camp tomorrow at what was Rams Park, is now the Lufus Youth Athletic Center over in Earth City. And Isaac's still doing amazing things for St. Louis as well. I was thinking about this the other day because I was thinking about just the amazing things that I've been able to see and the amazing people that I've been able to cover just in my time in St. Louis. I don't know if there's a sports market in this country that has had as many good people and players that not only excel on the field or on the ice, but also do amazing things for our community. Like think of some of the people that we've been able to cover, whether it's Albert Pujols, Matt Holliday, Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina. We get to talk to David Perron every week. So many of the blues guys that do so many great things. Chris Long. Chris Long, who, who's who been great. So many of those Rams players that are still involved in St. Louis. Isaac Bruce, Kurt Warner, Tori Holt. So many people that still pour into St. Louis. I, I don't know if that exists in another market. Well, I can tell you this, and I don't think it does. When Chris was still playing with Philly, he had a fundraiser, and there was a contest between the three cities that he played in, St. Louis, Boston, and Philly, Mm -hmm. and St. Louis blew the other two out of the water. Oh, for water boys. I remember that, raising money. Yeah. So, yeah, we're we're awesome. Yeah, we are. They hate us because they ain't us. They hate us because they ain't us, but also I think our front offices do a very good job of bringing in players that are going to fit our community. Good point. Even if sometimes it's by accident, like the Rams. By the way... (laughs) Yeah, they didn't do that on purpose. Great job by our producer engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. And he'll be back next hour with T-Mac. No Ajax today. Ajax is at the lake. So Emro in for Ajax? Yeah, that's right. Just, just, Just Rocchio. Rock you. Okay. Michelle, have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. I'll see you tonight. You bet. And we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning, or until Monday morning at 7. Uh, until Tuesday morning for me, but the rest of these guys, Alexa Dat will be in on Monday. So I will see you on Tuesday. But for everybody, until Monday morning at 7, have a great weekend, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. At Jiffy Lube, it's our job to make car care make sense. With personalized service reviews that swap the car talk for straight talk. So you know what your car is telling you and what to do about it. Putting you in the driver's seat of car care? That's a job for Jiffy.